1: This episode of the Cult Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon.
0: If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Boy,
1: Whew. I am stuffed. I have just eaten
0: a human being. Oh no, Richard. Are those fava beans I smell?
1: (laughs) Mm, They went well with my nice Chianti.
0: They went well with my $9 Sauvignon Blanc. (laughs) (laughs) With
1: my uh, mango and pineapple pals.
0: Wow, is that alcoholic? The the vodka is the first. Oh, thank God. And the list of flavours that it is, vodka is the Mm. first one. Nice. Welcome, everybody, to the Cult Pops Podcast, specifically film franchise fortnights on the Cult Pops Podcast, where we cover a different film franchise every fortnight. Richard, we've done... From Godzilla
1: to Godfather to God's Not Dead. We've done them all.
0: (laughs) Should we just say that every episode? It's such a good tagline. (laughs) I'm so glad. Because it also kind of does represent the spectrum of Mm. franchises, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, From big
1: lizards to big mafia guys to the big man in the sky.
0: (laughs) 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 From... From genetically uh, made creatures to made men to the one who made it all. <laughs> there we go. We could do this all day. But no, Richard, uh, my name is AJ, firstly, and Richard, today it's time to buzz open the cranium of the Hannibal franchise. Sorry. It's time to buzz sore open the cranium of the Hannibal franchise.
1: Yeah, and for a little treat for me, not so much for those listening at home, But AJ's webcam is going bloody bonkers.
0: I say we just leave it. Hopefully it'll behave because there's so many cords down here and I don't want to unplug one of them.
1: But we are talking about quite a a scary franchise and AJ, that's given me the heebie uh GBs.
0: wow that makes sense because richard the hannibal franchise is a series of five films based on four novels uh, written by thomas harris the novels in order uh, Red Dragon in 1981, The Silence of the Lambs in 1988, Hannibal in 2001, and Hannibal Rising in 2006. Someone uh, ran out of ideas. It <laughs> creates a pretty interesting timeline when paired up with the five films, because we had Manhunter um, based on Red Dragon in 1986, which was, so that came out before the release of The Silence of the Lambs novel, which I oh, didn't know until yeah. re- researching this. Then the Silence of the Lambs in 1991, again before Hannibal or Rising were even written. Uh, then Hannibal in 2001, released the same year as the book it was based off. Uh-huh. Um, then Red Dragon, the, another Red Dragon adaptation in 2002, only a year after Hannibal, both the book and the novel. And then the um, it was the as I said the second adaptation. And then finally Hannibal Rising in 2007, a year after the Harris penn novel and he also pinned the screenplay. So he wow. wrote he wrote them at the same Man time. Man loves
1: to write. What can I Does say? Does he,
0: though? I reckon he ran out of ideas around the the end of the 80s. <laughs> <And then laughs> but we'll see how it goes. The series, if you've never heard of, who's this Hannibal guy? Is that that hilarious comedian on the Eric Andre show? Is that no. the guy
1: that uh, revealed to the world the Bill Cosby's crimes?
0: Yeah, no, that's actually only the third most culturally relevant Hannibal, I think. Uh, we won't be discussing the other two, but the, the one we will be discussing is at the centre... <laughs> of what? a series Wait, who's of who's the other one the like Roman ruler who's a Roman guy he's like a Hannibal the Great or some shit it'll come up later <laughs> will it it kind of I read a quote that mentions Hannibal him. Roman guy he was there was a, a historical Hannibal right okay yeah okay cool he's
1: most famous for what he did in the second punic war exactly the (laughs)
0: second punic war yeah no but the the Hannibal we're talking about is at the center of a series of psychological thrillers which are mostly around uh based around capturing some kind of eccentric serial killer uh while the lead investigator who is either will graham or clarice starling depending on the film reluctantly accepts help from the infamous incarcerated forensic psychiatrist and actual cannibal himself uh, Hannibal Lecter or at least that's what Manhunter and the Science of the Lambs and Red Dragon are about Hannibal and Hannibal Rising bring the character to the forefront for better or worse (laughs) is it for better or worse you tell me Uh, worse (laughs) oh okay Uh, the series or at least 1991's The Silence of the Lambs is one of the bigger imprints on pop culture we'll have covered on the podcast with Sir Anthony Hopkins portrayal of Hannibal Lecter in the middle three films though again mainly just in the first of the middle three films (laughs) uh, considered to be one of the greatest acting performances of all time of one of the most iconic villains and characters of all time in 2003 Lecter as portrayed by Hopkins was named the greatest villain in American cinema by by the american film institute so we're dealing uh, with some pretty pretty heavy hmm. hitting because this is pop culture
1: um probably you'll probably want to say this when we get to science of the lamps but yeah the one best picture at the oscars and it's yeah like it's the,
0: my next next talking point you the, have like uncanny ability to do that it's like <laughs> uh, we should share these docs so that you can just say the next bit and it'll be <laughs> this like synchronized presentation are you
1: going to uh, are you going to ask me how many films have won best picture that we've covered well,
0: uh, well, that's not exactly what I've written down. But how many films have we covered?
1: Is it? I, I was thinking about this. Is it five?
0: Yeah. I didn't look it up. You'll have to tell me. Uh,
1: Rocky, both Godfathers, Return of the King, and this.
0: That might be true. Yeah, I can't imagine we've covered <laughs> very many Oscar films on this <laughs> podcast. I don't know.
1: I, I feel like we've had a few nominees we've mentioned. Maybe, but nah, But yeah, nah. it's very it's very uh, uh, uncommon for a part of a franchise to win
0: yes well the science of the lambs of course also uh has is one of only three films to ever win the big five Mm. academy awards um taking out best picture best director for jonathan dem best lead actor for anthony hopkins best lead actress for jodie foster and best screenplay either original or adapted in this case and the other two cases adapted so no one's got the big five with um original screenplay yeah the the,
1: one of the biggest sort of sweeps we've seen though obviously everything everywhere all at once, which one mm. picture writing, original directing, and three acting awards. No nothing's ever won that I'd say that's better. Yeah, nothing's <laughs> ever won that run of awards. But
0: mm. uh,
1: yeah, I think it's the third or fourth film to win three acting awards. Nothing's ever won all four. And one of my the thing I find most interesting is that the one of the other films that's won three acting awards was Streetcar Named Desire. And the only person who didn't win for that film was Marlon Brando, Lost Best Actor. And it's like, you study acting. That is the performance that invented yeah, right. good acting. <laughs> like, yeah, before yeah, that, yeah. it was the, how do you do, Merci, <laughs> Like, <laughs> And then-
0: It was sort of like a Hannibal Lecter talks when he's trying to be presentable. <laughs> yeah. And then this
1: one, and then his performance was like this super naturalistic- um there's there's a moment in streetcar named desire where they're walking through the park together and the actress he's talking with is playing uh she drops one of her gloves and he just picks it up and he starts like pulling the fingers of it back out like you know that they were inverted and she, and you can see her panic because mm. he's not supposed to pick it up or she wasn't supposed to drop it she doesn't know what to do but he is just so deep in that character he can just and it's like it, it's it's you can see the you can see the moment in history where acting, acting was, was invented. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So for those wondering the other two films to have won the big 5 were it happened one night in 1934 and one flew over the cuckoo's nest in 1975. So 1934, 1975, 1991. They're pretty far apart. We're about due. Another one coming up, surely. Um, Coincidentally, though, and this might be a qualifier for the next film to win the Big Five, um, all three films have a character, have a moment where a character instructs another character to put or throw something, quote, in the basket, apparently, as in all all three films. (laughs) Um, So the Science of the Lamb's impact on popular culture is indelible, though someone should tell that to the very delible sequels uh but before we get to those sequels richard we do have to talk about this other thing that's not silence of the lambs <laughs> which is manhunter the original hannibal lecter film came out in 1986 it was directed by michael mann and what do you think it has on roto tomo totos uh
1: i'm gonna say 70 it's
0: got 93 oh, very wow. very well respected film
1: yeah i'd heard it was a Unappreciated in its time, kind yeah. Of things, right?
0: Yeah, I, I it's one of these things where it's like, well, it was made before the invention of Rotten Tomatoes, so by the time it's been re yeah, reevaluated,
1: but Rotten Tomatoes takes contemporary reviews.
0: I think it has a lower critic uh, uh, audience score, but a higher critic score, so that could account for that. Um, what, what is, is it about? Manhunter about?
1: So there's this fucking freaky ass dude running around town named the Tooth mm. Fairy, and mm. I'm not talking about. Dwayne The Rock Johnson with oh. uh, Madison uh, Pettis, yeah, um, from American Pie <laughs> Girls Rules. Mm. I'm talking about this this uh, uh, Dollarhide,
0: <laughs> Francis Dollarhide,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's who's a serial killer, and it's you, it's a fairly straightforward detective movie in that kind of sense that it's. Gathering mm-hmm. clues and evidence to track this guy down. But he does, uh, Will Graham, who's the detective, must, he has to get assistance from this guy, Hannibal Lecter, who he has uh, gone toe-to-toe with in the past and barely made it out alive.
0: Mm. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um so uh the Tooth Fairy or Red Dragon as he'd prefer to be called because he, he buys that. into this like spirituality of the um the red dragon myth. Um, he is basically uh, going around murdering entire families because he has this he's got like a hair lip, so he thinks he's like this disfigured monster and he wants to like force people to to make him feel love so he's killing a bunch of people and yeah will graham um has has, he's he left it all behind after hannibal lecter nearly killed him when he arrested him but he's approached by uh, jack crawford and asked just do one last case because no one can do it like will graham no one is able to step into the mind of a killer like will graham no one is able richard to hunt men like Will Graham is Manhunter Will um, Graham
1: yeah. Find his man
0: Yes So to, uh, The film stars uh, Tom Noonan As um, Francis Dollarhide You've also got I knew a Comtis. guy Called
1: Tim Noonan
0: oh, So did I I bet it was the same guy And we've just never d- Discussed that Really him before. Totally
1: How do you know Tim Totally Noonan?
0: Went to my intermediate <laughs> Went
1: to my Yeah because he was The year below me Yeah high yeah school. yeah And yeah
0: <laughs> what a beautiful moment we both know this guy Um, it it was great yeah we
1: were we were um yeah we became real good buddies um we were in a few plays together he's a good dude and his his older brother was cool as well
0: if you're listening to this tim you and i were once at someone's birthday party and to this day i think you made me laugh the hardest i've ever laughed in my life Wow! Um, i can't even remember what he said but i was like Nearly like incapacitated because I couldn't breathe from laughter. Yeah, he's Timuna, a funny, great funny guy. guy man. <laughs> uh, well, he was when he was 12, maybe yeah, he's, when he was maybe like maybe 16. He's not yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Brian Cox as as Hannibal Lecter, Dennis Farina as Jack Crawford, uh, Joan Allen as uh, Reba, an unrecognizable Stephen Lang as Freddie Lowndes. <laughs> I could not believe it was Stephen Lang, the bad guy from Avatar is this, like... Raggedy Andy looking motherfucker in this movie. Is, like, he his looks skin's not even so blue. different. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, William Peterson plays um, uh, Will Graham. And do you know who that is? He went on to play Gil Grissom In CSI. Yeah, I that's Grissom.
1: I don't know. Well, I don't know anything about CSI. So ah, well,
0: I was so shocked. I found that out this afternoon when I was looking up because because this film is is very a very influential cult film and is said to have influenced things like C psi and sort of like was one of the first instances of forensic science being displayed on screen in a film so what did you think of manhunter richard
1: uh i'm so i just want to quickly look up who this uh should quickly look up tim noonan (laughs) well i was trying to find tim noonan's i found his brother yeah but what if there is no more tim noonan
0: what like he died
1: well i don't know i don't want to say that but he, well, he doesn't even use social media, by the looks of it.
0: Oh, maybe he's off the grid.
1: Damn, that's that. He would too. Fuck, he's cool.
0: That's classic noons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's really funny. That's never, never come up before. Gil Grissom. All right, let's look at this guy. Yeah, no, nah, sorry, I don't, I don't know CSI. I don't know like at all.
0: <laughs> I know very little, but that's one. Of well, the no, I mean,
1: I you're know. the, you're the, you're the expert. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So this, this movie was cool. I think. mm Hmm. I don't know. I I'm going to come right out and say it. I've been very distracted all week, and <laughs> my comprehension of these films isn't going to be as uh, as high as it normally is. Uh, my review okay. for
0: you did a good uh, rundown of what it's about just before, so at least you're comprehending well, thank a little you bit. For that. The uh, it's because I
1: it's because I saw it twice. <laughs> like because it's it's <laughs> yeah. also the plot of Red Dragon, but the <laughs> Yeah, my review. I remember my review for when after I saw Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. People asked me mm. what I thought of it. My review was: it's a good movie, but I was so tired and grumpy the whole time. I didn't mm. enjoy it, mm. <laughs> and I think that's been. I've been tired and grumpy all week. And well, so, I mean,
0: most of these movies are bad. There's only really two that you needed to feel good. About. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that's yeah. I guess that's a that's a fair point, but I think that like there's such a pressure on this episode
0: yeah yeah right it's a, it's a blockbuster franchise the discord's been ablaze with conversation about what our conversation would be mm, well
1: people have been like people have said i've i've never been more excited for an episode like we just dropped you guys a day plus long scooby-doo episode and <laughs> no you and, you, and you wanted this more than that <laughs> and it's like I, I, I know there's a TV show as well. And the TV shows, um Brian Fuller. That's his name, right? Yeah. Um, that great showrunner. And so I can understand why people are obsessed with the TV show. But I didn't get that from the movies. Right. Which I'm, which I'm sure will be a recurring motif that I don't and get what, what, what you'll podcast? see. Yeah. I don't,
0: I don't get <laughs> A recurring what motif. <laughs> yeah well no i get it man i think that watching when you're in a bad mood watching a good movie can be exhausting whereas when you're in a bad mood watching a a bad movie it's just it flows through you and you're like Mm. in some ways this means more to me than any good movie ever could
1: yeah (laughs) was that a hannibal reference
0: no not at all It was just straight off the top of my my little dome (laughs) <laughs> I knew uh, next to nothing about Manhunter. Mm, so. It was one of those things where it was like, did you know there's a Hannibal Lecter movie that was made before Silence of the Lambs?
1: I, I think, yeah, I, I knew that much. I knew yeah, that it was yeah. like, there's this franchise where, you know, Anthony Hopkins plays him in, what, three movies. Mm. And then I knew there's a prequel. But I always knew somewhere in the back of my mind, oh, there's a secret First yeah. film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I probably read it on cracked.com yeah. in 2010. Like,
1: six, six movies franchises. you can't believe had prequels. <laughs>
0: Um, I knew it was based on Red Dragon, and I knew it was directed by Michael Mann. Didn't know anything I do, else. I not didn't even know that
1: it was Michael Mann until I watched the film.
0: Right, I, I, I'm not even that familiar with Michael Mann to be honest. But I watched this movie. I, I, um, went went to bed. It was about half past midnight. I, I chucked it on my laptop. I curled up in bed, and I was like. Uh, I'll I'll start it now and maybe I can finish it tomorrow because I was a bit behind when I needed to have watched it by. And Richard, I was just absolutely transfixed by it. I watched the whole thing through. It reminded me of being lost in a really good book, which is a feeling I haven't had for years mm, yeah. because I can't read. I
1: think um, yeah, like surely it's more like being lost in a really good movie.
0: I, like, like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just—it was this like. Like I mean, I'm I'm you know,
1: familiar with getting lost in a good movie as a concept. You don't need to make different. an analogist or something.
0: No, no, it's different because this was like I should I should be turning this off and going to sleep and finishing it tomorrow. But in and like it was like I was under the covers with a flashlight reading this gripping novel. You know, like I was so drawn to it that like. You know, going to bed at a reasonable time. Be damned! I have to finish yeah. the story. Um, I I absolutely adored this, dude. I think this is the most I've enjoyed a film that I haven't seen before for the podcast in years. Wow. I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Um, the big ones that come up whenever I'm like, what 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 are yeah. some of my favorite films that I discovered through film franchise? God's not nights.
1: dead. Light and darkness.
0: <laughs> God's not dead. Weird say- people. Scream 1 and 2 and Nymphomaniac Part 1 or Volume 1 are the three that I always think of are like, these are ones I discovered through the podcast that I just Mm. absolutely adored. The last film we watched for Film Franchise Four Nights, which I hadn't seen before, which I gave five stars to, was the original Planet of the Apes and before Mm. that, The Godfather Part 2. So that's how far back, if you look at the timeline of the podcast, that I've, you know, since I've felt like a five star hit me. I loved it. I thought the the noir eighties soundtrack. The- yeah,
1: there's such a specific look and sound to it, mm, and it mm. is very eighties. But I also, I'm I'm to understand that it's a very Michael Mann, and yeah, that's it, true, it yeah. has. The vibe of yeah, the, the 24-hour movie marathon that I go to each year. Mm, that they, mm. they play movies that feel like this every year.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah, I get that. Totally. I loved it. I thought the fact that it was... Did you watch... I downloaded the director's cut of this, which meant there were random scenes and sometimes random shots that were just done with unprocessed film. So it just suddenly dropped quality. Oh, the lighting re- went all weird. Just Sometimes it would just be like someone turning their head, but it, it just felt so authentic. And real because of that. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I was just
1: I blown, blown away by it. did not watch the director's cut. <laughs> I, I'm kind of against director's cuts.
0: Well, in this case, he said it wasn't really a director's cut because no one was fighting him. It was just like he re-edited it after it all. Yeah, realized.
1: I think that the the a director's cut needs like a specific. Uh, it needs to be like a flop. That is there's there's right. well documented studio interference. Yeah, any right. movies where it's just oh, the director shot a bunch of stuff and loved it and and wanted to keep it in the film, generally those are bad,
0: fair enough. Well, I didn't think this version was um although again he said it's technically not really a director's cut. I thought um, there was this ethereal, like, spirituality to this film, and a lot of that's the, like, red dragon mysticism there, and just, I guess, noir having, like, slight, like, sort of samurai influences as well, like, these things, like... Like seep into the into the film. There's a scene where Dollarhide, um, who's the serial killer, he falls in love with a blind woman who works at the photo processing place that they work at. Um, her name's Reba, and they start dating. And he takes her to a a zoo vet, um, where they've sedated a tiger, and it's a real tiger. And um, he helps Reba, who's blind, like like pat this tiger. And I thought it was so beautiful. I I nearly started crying like i was just completely lost and the way it was filmed was so warm and gorgeous and the just this 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 vibe to it that just felt so beautiful and important and dark and sad i God, do have I just, to
1: ask did, if that came from did you did you find the tiger sexy
0: mm, sorry i thought that was implied <laughs> the tiger was very sexy and that's why i uh, was so into it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, sorry i should have said that at the start the reason i liked this movie was so so much was because of the sexy tiger <laughs> the the insatiably sexy tiger
2: <laughs>
0: uh, i thought uh tom noonan was impeccable as Dollarhide. he's so creepy there's a bit where he so he kidnaps freddie lounge stephen lang's character who's a um uh like a creepy you know gossip journalist for the the local paper um and he's like tied him up and he's he's showing him like a a 1986 version of a PowerPoint presentation of like I guess a slideshow of <laughs> um of like all the you know the red dragon mythos and he's like there's and then he goes do you see? Da 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 do you see and that's something that I'd seen parodied on South Park 15 years ago <laughs> and was like this is clearly a reference to something I haven't seen and it's this it's fucking manhunter that it's a reference to <laughs> It was great. I just thought he looks so creepy in it, and he he plays such this this like quiet, sensitive, scary person. Uh, yeah, I thought he was. Did you? What do you think of old old Tom Noonan? Do you like Tom Noonan?
1: He's no Tim Noonan. No,
0: he's much. no Tim Noonan. I just want to make it clear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, good good cast in this film. Mm. What do b- you think of uh, Brian, Cox yeah. Is, is yeah, Brian Cox is yeah Brian Cox as Hannibal? Yeah, it's. I haven't. Re- I think I watched the first couple of episodes of Hannibal, the TV series, but th- which is obviously a very different Hannibal to mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins. Whereas Brian Cox is like, uh, if you didn't have your glasses on, you could probably think it's anthony hopkins you know <laughs>
0: a, a younger anthony hopkins yeah
1: yeah uh and, yeah. but it is interesting yeah that this like seeing and then especially there's like a lot of scenes that you see the exact same script used mm. by anthony hopkins uh in, in red dragon and yeah it's one of those things that it's i i enjoy, his performance is good enough like mm-hmm. for what is such a minor part of the film and it's his parts yeah, yeah. beefed up a bit in in Red Dragon. I don't know if that's necessary, like how that compares to the source material, but I'm I'm assuming it's because it's Anthony Hopkins.
0: It's because yeah, it is. It's yeah. based the writer of Red Dragon, the the third um, Hopkins movie, like referred to it as like a commercial necessity to right, beef yeah. up the Hannibal role in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think like it's not as creepy as Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, it's it's more it's more of like a dignified. Sort of like he's not da 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 Like Brian Cox is someone I've only really just been a, become aware of his existence because he's he was he's such the, a meme uh, from Samurai,
2: from the Samurai. Sco- yeah, the Scooby Doo.
0: Oh, it's the Scooby Doo movie. Yeah. No, from um, Succession, a show I'm not watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going I, to say. I see, I see, like clips of him all the time saying "fuck off" and stuff. So, like seeing him in this, and it's it's he's just sort of this very calm and very like. I feel like the, the Anthony Hopkins version is way more has way more depth to him this felt closer to like caricature but also more realistic at the same time like yeah. like he's l- not trying to be scary I don't think the hmm. Brian Cox
1: yeah, version that's putting it.
0: Um, this is the only Hannibal movie where his uh, surname is spelt L-E-C-K-T-O-R for some reason there's no K in the books or in the Hopkins versions Um, in all other adaptations of the novels yeah it's spelled that way and he is not um in this film he's not in this film explicitly said to be a cannibal i think i don't recall it he's called us i might be wrong and there are a lot of people. Well, Hannibal his name's heads. fucking Hannibal. Yeah, well that's the thing, is that I reckon that's what gives this the film this film the edge over Science of the Lambs to me, is you don't have these deadly serious crime films with maybe the silliest, most juvenile <laughs> pun at the center of it, you know? Like yeah. like this, this like, movie boy is
1: Thomas Harris lucky. That's <laughs> his name, right? Boy yeah, is yeah. he fucking lucky that Hannibal is actually a
0: name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, like this movie manhunter has zero sense of humor it is not a fun there and there is not a single joke yeah. in this film imagine if hannibal was a cannibal <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like what the hell is going on i'm losing my mind <laughs> according to an interview with brian cox the following actors were considered for the role of hannibal lecter in this one um brian dennehy who we've seen in rocky no he rambo
1: referenced in south park
0: there's reference another south park reference um bruce Dern, a 1986 bruce Dern oh. was was um considered john lithgow who would later in the tv show dexter proved that he can play that sort of character mm. uh, and uh mandy patinkin nearly oh, yeah. played the role Apparently,
1: i can see i think john lithgow would have been too young at the time but
0: he was apparently second choice he's gone on to say for both the i think for both brian cox and anthony hopkins he was like next in line oh, yeah. apparently yeah uh during the filming of this movie Anthony Hopkins was playing King Lear at the National Theatre. And during the filming of Sides of the Lab, Richard Brian Cox was playing King Lear at the National Theatre. They played, they switched roles. Isn't that wow. serendipitous?
1: That is. That's like how uh, That's
0: serendipity do, bro. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's the 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 National I think it was National Theatre, the production of Frankenstein which was Benedict Cumberbatch and the other guy whose name I can't remember swapping each night playing Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. But the other guy whose name I've forgotten plays Sherlock on
0: Elementary. And this was like years before either of them were cast as Sherlock. Nice, nice. Um, let's talk about titles. I only want, but We could t- do a whole section of it, but I want to talk about it here because here is where it's going to be the most relevant to talk about the title of these films because this is obviously based on the novel Red Dragon and this film does feel like it could be called Red Dragon. I thought watching it, I was like, it's so interesting they gave this such a generic... You know, they Manhunter should have called it the something. Tooth Fairy. Yeah, they should have called it the Tooth Fairy, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
1: And Madison Petis. Petis.
0: The Peter <laughs> This movie was originally going to be titled Red Dragon. However, when Year of but the Dragon, 1985, <laughs> 1985, uh became a box office failure, executive producer and name who will probably appear a few times on this podcast, uh Dino De Laurentiis, uh, decided to avoid a dragon in the title show didn't wow. think it would sell well it's that whole like movies with dragon in the title don't sell well kind of you know the, these weird lessons hollywood learns from from things uh in may 1991 nbc decided to capitalize off science of the lambs uh by airing this film under the title red dragon the curse of hannibal lecter <laughs> so oh, that's God. you could call this film that instead yeah <laughs> the curse of it's got nothing to do with
1: hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> i wonder if there's an imdb trivia in This film is an adaptation of the movie, of the novel Red Dragon. Brian Cox would later go on to play a dragon. Yes. In (laughs) Scooby Doo, the. Sword Sword of of the Samurai or
0: something (laughs) Um, William Peterson Gil Grissom himself also said that another reason for the change was because people thought it sounded like a martial arts film and with Bruce Lee knocking out dragon movies at the time um, he didn't he said and Dino in his wisdom decided people would think it was a a kung fu movie however Brian Cox who would one day play a dragon in Scooby Doo (laughs) the Sword of the Samurai um, uh, stated that he expressed disdain for the film's title calling it bland and cheesy which I <laughs> saying think is a I love assist-
1: dragons and I wish Can't, to one I would love play- to play one <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, uh, we often scour IMDb trivia Scooby-Doo for poorly and written... and the Samurai
1: Sword was the movie. Just
0: yes, so sorry. We, title of it. we often scour our IMDb trivia to look for the most poorly written and silly things being put on there. Here's some pieces of dumb IMDb trivia for you, Richard. Uh, this is the only known adaption of Thomas Harris's Hannibal books where Hannibal is never seen out of his prison cell. This is the only known adaption of it? Uh, wow. What? <laughs> there, there could there be There could others. be
1: countless... <laughs> bad (laughs) actions
0: they're just like made in people's basements they didn't Mm. you know they they read the book I was like I gotta film this but I can't make any money off it Uh,
1: yeah I like to imagine a lot of these that there's like two people writing it Mm. and they go like oh well, like you know they're watching it and they go you know this is actually the only one that shows them Olena's
0: I go, well,
1: that we know of, that we know of.
0: That we know of, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Another piece of IMDb trivia. At around an hour, 13 minutes, the elevator light in the background comes on at the moment that Hannibal tells Graham... Quote, if one does what God does enough times, one will become as God is. This was something that director Michael Mann arranged with his crew to symbolize Graham's revelation. So I think it's a great line and it's awesome. He's listening to him on the phone and he says that and then the elevator light comes almost like a light bulb moment.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but it's just the fact that this is a piece of trivia and it's like, yeah, that's what filmmaking is, IMDb user. Yeah, it. they it's actually like- <laughs> planned to do that. <laughs> And finally, another piece of trivia in the IMDb trivia section for Manhunter uh, refers to the director as Mucal Man. Uh, the rest of it wasn't dumb, but it says nice. Mucal Man. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: What a crappy superhero. One thought <laughs> on Manhunter that's mm-hmm. uh, relevant, sort of, to the wide discussion that there's a scene in this, my favorite scene in this movie, my favorite scene in Red Dragon is when Hannibal Lecter is trying to get Will Graham's home address and he calls up this university and is like, hi there, my name's so-and-so from this courier. Bob Greer, he's Bob Greer from this courier. And he's like, I've got this package, but I don't have the address. And he's he's calling. He's like, can you just pop into the office and just that will be in the Rolodex there. And they're like, oh, you know, sorry, I can't. Go into his office, and it's like, oh, sorry. Like, I I need to get this on the courier truck post haste, which is the name of a courier in New Zealand. And
0: my dad used to work for them. Oh,
1: we're just learning so much about each other today.
0: I know. <laughs> this st- is so beautiful stuff that I can't
1: believe didn't come up earlier in our friendship. <laughs> but yeah, and so it convinces this woman on the phone. I think Brian Cox does that scene
0: better than Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Yeah, I agree. He's like, well, zip your little digit down to G. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and he of course does that because he's communicating with Dollar Hyde and he manages to tell Dollarhide Will Graham's family home, and they have to race. Oh, it's so good, it's so good. <laughs> We've got to, we do a little segment that we sometimes forget to do on this uh, on this show, Richard, and it's going to be fucking useless for the the Hannibal Lecter episode, but we like to ask French wise, why was this hmm. film good enough to warrant going further? And and it's maybe something we should probably do, do after Science of the Lambs instead of after Manhunter. But it's this the answer is it's this weird concoction of like, well, this one did well and there's another book. And then they did the other book and they were like, well, the movie did well, so let's get the yeah. author to write another novel. And it switched back and forth and um much to, to the entire franchise's detriment, I think. Um yeah. but yeah, we are moving on now to the the crown jewel in this franchise's uh In its crown, uh, which is The Silence of the Lambs, came out in (laughs) 1991, directed by a guy named Jonathan. 91! 91, directed by Jonathan Dem. um, Is it Dem? Would you say Dem? Yeah, I'd say Dem. Demi? Demi Moore? Directed by Demi Moore? (laughs) What does it have on Ron Tomatoes? So Manhunter had 93%. What does Silence of the Lambs have?
1: Silence of the Lambs, I'm going to say, has. Ninety-eight percent,
0: ninety-five percent, fucking five percent. One of them was Gene Siskel. Fucking hated this movie. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yes, he he went on and on about how much he hated it, and Roger Ebert was like, "This movie's great." And then, like you know, as its legacy became what it was, he's like, "But you feel fucking stupid about that, Siskel." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What is Science of the? Oh, yeah. What What is it about? What Science of the Lambs?
1: So, Science of the Lambs is about a. Young F.E.I. woman. That's right. I said woman. Agentess. <laughs> <laughs> Agentrix. Who? Uh, who called Clarice Starling? Who is similar to Manhunter? It's she's on the case. She yeah. is hunting down a killer known as Buffalo Bill, who kidnaps women, skins them alive. What? Well, or skins them, and. Detective film. She's chasing him down, but yep. she seeks the advice of Hannibal Lecter, this time played mm. by Anthony Hopkins. Ah, oh. and he sort of takes a liking to her. They have this weird pseudo-sexual relationship. a A, rapport yeah yeah but a a rapport and there's like this will they won't they (laughs) element okay i
0: don't know if it's if it's it's more i don't know if sexual is the right word but it's like a fixation
1: yeah well it's like you with dolphins where it's like (laughs) yeah it is it is a little bit sexual
0: i think i think it becomes that in the sequels i'm choosing to ignore the canon of i think there's a There's more of a. I think fixation is a good way of putting it. Yeah. Respect in
1: this. Well, I I also think that it's like. I mean, obviously, the whole point of Hannibal Lecter is that he gets inside your head. And Mm. Clarice is. He's getting inside her head more than she would probably care to admit. And I think that he's not getting in as far as he would like to.
0: Ah, so it's an Edward Cullen Alice Swan situation. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yep, so she helps uh Hannibal Lecter sort of gives her the clues and to ends up help escaping her, from prison as well. At the end. Ends up escaping, yep. Um so while some Oscar stats will proudly tout this film as one of only three sequels to ever win Best Picture, um, the other two being Godfather Part 2 and Lord of the Rings Return of the King, I would regard the Science of the Lambs as obviously a new continuity. Yeah. Uh, and not just because the returning characters are completely recast, and not just because they made another adaptation of red dragon as a prequel and not just because richard the rich tone and style of manhunter is completely absent here but because the surname is spelt different mm. that's why this is officially not a sequel wow that's great <laughs> so you talk about the, Gina- the the
1: rich sort yep. of visual so i, I stars of the lambs watching it i mean i've seen this movie a few times but watching it this time i was really aware of the very sort of distinct directorial style of it because i'd always you know i knew it won the big five and with with the oscars a lot of the times you know best best director can just go to you know the no one's going to just complain if it goes to just the best film of the year you know Mm -hmm. and but then when you have ones that it's like okay yeah that one actually had a really clear directorial voice but it maybe wasn't the best film and yeah this one like yeah well watching it again it's like it actually does have this really clear directorial voice and how particularly in how it plays with eye lines yeah, and yeah totally. there's a fucking a million video essays about this i'm sure but it's like that first meeting of hannibal and clarice you, you when you're shooting a scene you know you have two characters looking at each other and you put the camera anywhere on one side of the line so over the shoulder so that it gives the illusion that one character is looking right to left and the other character is looking left to right or vice versa. But there's a certain moment, the camera gets closer and closer so that the eye lines are just barely off camera. And then at the moments where it like really, you know, Oh, he's got a, the, he, the, he starts directly addressing the camera. And it's most notable in that scene, but it's, People talking directly to the camera as if you're the point of view of the character listening to them is used like quite... Quite a lot throughout the film. It's, it's really so
0: whenever whenever there's a conversation with Clarice, the way it's framed is she'll be to the side of the frame, talking into the negative space to the side of the shot, and then the reverse shot will be someone facing directly into the camera replying to her. Yeah. And there's this whole it's this whole thing about like Clarice is this small fish in the big pond that is the FBI. It, it emphasises um, the fact that she's a woman in a male-dominated uh, field mm. um, quite a lot, and it's. We'll talk about it soon, but there is yeah. there is a lot about sort of gender in
1: this. Yeah, so. also the the whole thing about playing with eyelines and, and why that's sort of impressive as a director is that that, that is, I feel like it one of... It looks like
0: you've fucked it up if you get it wrong. That's
1: the thing, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that it's like, yeah. it's one of the most intriguing things to play with, but it's also like one of the hardest and fastest rules Of Mm. filmmaking is like the shots will not make sense, especially if you've got more than two characters. If you've got only two characters, you can play with it quite a bit. If you've got wide shots to establish where they are in relation to each other. Mm. But if you've got multiple characters, you completely lose the ability to see who is talking to who. And Mm. it's something we've seen in more sort of amateur films that they just focus on this person is talking. So here's a shot of them. And it's like, well, okay, if they're looking, if they're addressing this person to the right, but in the wide shot, that person's on the left of Mm. them. And it's, it's so easy to fuck up, but yeah, it it is, it's, it's a bold choice and one that's very easy to fuck up. So nailing it, I think is like actually the sign of a good director.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, well, speaking of directors, Richard, it wasn't always Jonathan Demme on board. Uh, one, Gene Hackman originally bought the rights to the novel um, back in the 80s and planned to direct and potentially play Hannibal <laughs> or oh, he was actually more he, he was going to play Hannibal then was going to be like no nah, I'll be Jack Crawford uh before he That's like Clarice's boss so, yeah yeah there was some other film that Gene Hackman was in where he was like a violent character and afterwards Gene Hackman was like I don't want to play violent Mississippi characters Burning something like that yeah um and so he lost interest midway through the script being written by the t- tell Tally or something who who wrote the screenplay Ted Tally, and uh, and uh, basically, someone else was like, "No, no, no! Don't stop writing this. The novel is so good." Apparently, Jodie Foster already had her claws in the the book, like wanting. It. And I didn't know this. Do you know Jodie Foster already won an Oscar by this point? Before. Clarice was her second Oscar. Oh
1: wow! It was oh, she was nominated for Taxi Driver,
0: uh, but she won for The Accused in 1989. Oh, yes. so Signs of the Lambs, her second Oscar. That's crazy. I think that's crazy. Uh, So the, yeah, so everyone, this is, you know, this is... And and the behind the scenes of Hollywood, everyone is like, we gotta get on the Silence of the Lambs adaptation train. Like, have you read the book? You know, like that's the vibe. And then Orion picked up the um the funding. They got Jonathan Dem on board, who was offered the the as uh, the the chance to direct. He read the novel and was like, of course I'll direct it, uh, because everyone thought this was gonna be a hit. And Richard, I don't want to spoil the ending for you. But they catch Buffalo Bill and what? Hannibal gets away. And they were right. It was a hit. <laughs> Everyone oh, loves *Science of the Lambs. But did you love it? Did you love *Science of the Lambs, Richard? You said you'd seen it before. What are your thoughts? So Is this a five-star film?
1: Other times I'd seen it, loved it five stars Mm. this time i was just so tired and so grumpy i gave it four and a half stars
0: wow so bloody counting the bloody lambs falling asleep yeah don't be too don't be too silent you lambs i won't be able to (laughs) i'll fall
1: bloody right asleep in your fall bloody
0: asleep yeah 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 Yeah. um i i've always loved this film yeah i I, I do think it's it's a
1: fantastic film um
0: i actually think i love it a little bit more than you (laughs) I think it balances the theatricality of Lecter with the groundedness of everything else in the story. Like, mm. like a movie with these serial killers in it should be fucking ridiculous, mm. but it's like it's like real life. Like, it's just a serious film, and it's just these like. Powerhouse performances um dropped in the middle of it. I do think Manhunter is is slightly better. Well, Manhunter's more catered to my specific mm. tastes, I think. Sure. And there's a there's a whole cast of of you know, it's not just Anthony Hopkins and and Jody Foster in this. You've got Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill slash Jame Gum. Give me your best Buffalo Bill impression. How's your how's your Buffalo Bill?
1: Give me a line. <laughs>
0: um
1: it puts what the are lotion on its
0: skin. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. like Ted Give Levine. I know you want to do it. You've got to suck your uh, larynx shut, or what? Your oh, esophagus shut. Sort of, sort of. So I can go like, um, <laughs> Richard, fuck me. I'd fuck me. <laughs> I'd fuck me so hard. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta like really like clasp your entire throat area okay. shut to get this.
1: <laughs> so that was two points. Um. Mm-hmm. So that's enough to now give us your Hannibal Lecter impression.
0: Okay, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice cante. That's how, like the that's if you're parodying Hannibal. I ate his liver with some
1: fava beans and a nice Chianti.
0: That's much better. You're, you're okay, much so now that's Hannibal guy.
1: That's two points split between us as well. And now mm. give us your best Clarice Starling impression.
0: Okay. Doctor Lecter. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I the,
1: the one that I kept on that got stuck in my head that I kept saying is when she walks in and someone says something to her and Hannibal no, hate- says <laughs> what did he say to you and she goes he said i can smell your cunt. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So silly, man! <laughs> it's so great, though. It's such a great. It's such a scary scene. I thought I, I've um, done it better than that. <laughs> I,
2: I, can
1: I can your smell your cunt.
0: <laughs>
1: you gotta change I, your life. I, <laughs> that was Doctor Phil. I,
0: I myself, I myself cannot. That's such a that's a, a borderline smooth line.
1: For yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry, like, girl. It ain't stink.
0: <laughs> no, because he's kind of like. He's he's being polite by saying he can't, but he's still acknowledging her can't. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's like yeah, he's being polite by saying, but it's like I could if I wanted to. <laughs> the power is still in his hands
0: wow wow um you messaged me while you were watching this and you said how is this so long i only remember like two scenes from (laughs) i agree i remember the start maybe the first 20 minutes and then the very ending (laughs) and then it's like there's a whole hour 45 in the middle there and it's not like it's bad it's just like watching re-watching this for the first time maybe like 10 years yesterday or the other day it's like i don't remember the scene where clarice gets a tip from hannibal and goes to a storage garage and Mm. struggles to open the door and finds a head inside like
1: yeah there's like the other movie that i feel this with and this is like even if you'd asked me this before Uh, The Mm. last two weeks, I would have said this, but like uh, the other one is uh, what's called different things in different countries, but the wrong man or lucky number Slevin. I've seen that Mm. movie like half a dozen times. Mm. I don't know how it's more than like 20 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Like I don't remember 90% of that movie (laughs) and same with this. And it's not even that I watch it and I go, oh yeah, it has this scene in it. Even when I'm watching it, I'm like, why is it not fit? Like what? (laughs) <laughs> what is there still to go? I don't remember. <laughs> um, and even like now, having watched it a, a few days ago, I still only remember it being about 30 minutes.
0: <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Did you know, Richard, that even though Manhunter is not in the same continuity as this, that two actors return Wow! to, to the, the franchise playing different characters. And in fact, one of these two actors reprises the role in... Hannibal and Red Dragon as well. Do you know who they are?
1: Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster.
0: No. Incorrect. No, um the uh Frankie Faison who played uh who plays Lieutenant Fisk and Manhunter, and he plays Barney, the the like guy that works at the prison in, in this and he's in the sequels as well. Um and Dan Butler played an FBI fingerprint expert in Manhunter and is is an entomologist in this movie. So there was obviously some kind of like, you know, a, a working knowledge of the canon of Hannibal. Mm. Adaptations I guess but yeah. yeah. Do you want to know who was Supposedly in line to play Hannibal Lecter John Lithgow Anthony? <laughs> Correct <laughs> uh, We've also got John Hurt Christopher Lloyd yeah. Dustin Hoffman Patrick Stewart Louis Gossett Jr Robert Duvall Jack Nicholson And Robert De Niro These were all considered for the role of Hannibal Lecter Do you want to Jeremy do any
1: impressions I- as them
0: I oh, will Jeremy Irons is the next one, which oh, wow. feels like the most impressionable.
1: More impressionable right. than Jake Nicholson and Robert De Niro. I think so. I have a cunt, Clarice. Can you smell me?
0: <laughs> I'm God, I'm in orbit. My sides are in orbit. I've got a cut. I've got a cunt. I can't reason smell to your appearance. cunt, Clarice! <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Stewart, that never should be an easy one. But I, I can I can't. I get so nervous whenever I step up to the plate to do an impression
1: <laughs> in front of me as well.
0: Make it show, make it m- smell your cunt. I, why is that the line? <laughs> I'm he doesn't, he even doesn't say even it. say it. He doesn't even <laughs> say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Jeremy Irons was asked but turned down the role because he didn't want to play another dark character after his character in *Reversal of Fortune*. Um, in a 20 th- 2016 interview with Empire, John Lithgow said that uh, Hopkins Lecter was one of the great screen villains of all time, adding, even though I was next in line for the role. Yeah,
1: I, I feel like when you see that, you, you like, you can't look at that and be like, I would have done that better. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Richard... We've been talking a lot about um, saying a pretty nasty word a lot on this episode. Hmm. One that some people might consider a little uh, uncouth, but not in New Zealand, though. You can say this on prime time TV, and you can't. But imagine, we're we're getting there. <laughs> um, but Four more Richard. Years. There, there, there are some other things that are potentially offensive in this film that we, as stewards of the franchise, as stewards of pop culture, need to talk about, so put on your 3D glasses because we're going to sit in the theatre and have an interactive 4D experience with the problematic corner. <laughs> Ooh, I bet this didn't age well Let's get a life at someone else's expense I have to warn you, this might get
1: obscene It's the problematic corner wearing nothing PC
0: It's impossible to talk about this movie without discussing sort of like maybe ever so slightly dated ideas around gender, specifically transgender stuff, a word they uh, do not use in this, they use more antiquated terms, Uh, mainly because Buffalo Bill's whole deal is that he wants to be a woman, so he's kidnapping women and... Making a suit out of their skin so that he can be a woman. And I think when you remember this movie with 2020 vision, 2020's you forget all, vision,
1: you forget all those scenes
0: well you just you mm-hmm. don't think about it you, you're mm-hmm. not going like you know you're thinking about the enigmatic performances and, and things but it does have kind of this like oh I don't know if this is saying anything good but what you, what I never remember though is that they go out of their way in this film to be like Buffalo Bill is not a real trans person which mm. sounds in a lot of ways like it could be more offensive yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. this whole there's this whole um, thing they mention about like how he applied for reassignment surgery and they said no you're too violent and apparently it's more pronounced in the novel like they go to they get like a medical doctor's opinion who is like no no trans people aren't actually this is not he is not representative of trans people in fact he is not a trans person and it kind of feels like it's like they it's this weird way where it's kind of like they're future proofing
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. what people
0: were going to be saying about it when they wouldn't have had to at the time without getting in trouble. I mean, and like, I don't know if I buy it. It's kind of weird to just be like, no, 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 he's not a real trans person yeah. because you don't know. It is
1: like, like, yeah. So the movie says he's he's not trans, but that, and we're using he, him pronouns as well because of that. But the, I, I did a little bit of digging. And mm. correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening to this, but as far as I can tell, this is the closest we have to a trans character in a film that's won Best Picture.
0: Wow. Like a trans main character, I guess? There's got to be, like...
1: No, like, like, I was...
0: Surely someone pops up in, like, everything, everywhere, all yeah, the
1: time. I, yeah, apparently not.
0: Wow, that's that's strange. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, times are changing. Maybe I would
1: say can... within the next probably three years, we're going to have mm. a... Um, a film centered around a trans person mm. Uh, mm. or 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 f- significantly featuring in a supporting role i'm surprised it hasn't come up as a as a major issue yet that you know um the academy's having to be like oh we nominate based Separating, on the gender yeah. you um, with e- with. E- e- express yourself as or um you know in the case of someone non-binary that they say Mm. Choose a category.
0: <laughs> I've heard with non binary the thinking is you go actor because that's the general you go best that's actor, the non-binary because that's the general one, term. Yeah. Uh but I could be wrong. And as always, please correct me because my heart feels like it's in the right place. Uh, if, even if I say something maybe that's that doesn't sound quite right. Um, and on that, I feel like there's maybe there's maybe more we could talk about with this. Uh, well, it's but it's not what, it's just because like there should be a trans person in this conversation having this conversation with us and not like us deciding whether something's okay or not this is all just sort of to bring up the fact that it's it's a contentious issue and people that, are going
1: to think it's weird if we don't bring it up as well
0: that, and i guess so but it's like some people think that science of the lambs is actually like going out of its way to be in the right place some people think it's not and it's this is the kind of thing that we feel we need to bring up when talking about these movies um yeah so, moving out of Problematic Corner, Richard, a lot of hullabaloo is made out of the fact that Anthony Hopkins won the Oscar while barely being in the film. And this is something I, I remember my dad being like, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor, and he's only in Science of the Lambs for five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> which is like a bit of an exaggeration. To be more accurate, uh Hopkins has 24 minutes and 52 seconds of screen time. Um, It's the second shortest to win an Academy Award for Best Actor in a leading role, behind David Niven in. Uh, separate tables in nineteen fifty eight with twenty three thirty nine however, in terms of percentage of runtime, Hopkins is the shortest as he only appears in twenty one percent of the film. but knowing this little bit of trivia about it, I've always felt like he's in it plenty like he's the main yeah. male character in the film. It doesn't feel like he's not in it that much yeah that, that, that like
1: it's interesting, yeah, going into it knowing that I'd always heard. Was seven or 17 minutes um interestingly but because i'd heard this piece of trivia he's actually not really in the film and yeah it's interesting like the the phases i've gone through of like what does that tri- piece of trivia mean because initially it was like <laughs> oh you know he's actually like it's crazy someone could win an Academy Award for barely being in a film. And then it's like, oh no, the point is that when you watch the film, you think he's in it a lot more than that. And then finding out, it's like, oh no, it's because it was best actor so, as opposed to supporting actor. And it's like, norm- you know, there's longer supporting actor um mm. Performances than I that. Think,
0: I think that's a that's a very simple way to look at what a supporting actor is.
1: Yeah, you know? well, I, I think that, screen yeah.
0: time. I don't know,
1: but it it is just he probably had a better chance as lead actor that year. Like the right. distinction between lead and supporting is so nebulous. Like Waymond is clearly the lead male character in everything, everywhere, all at once, but he was marketed as a supporting actor, and he swept the Supporting Actor Awards because it was a much less stacked category than lead actor that year, um, this year. But you know, it's it's interesting. I I guess what people are trying to get out of it more though is that it's like he feels like he's in the film more than that.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Got a dumb piece of IMDb trivia for you for Science of the Lambs. Uh, at around 18 minutes Sir Anthony Hopkins improvised the fast slurping type sound that Hannibal Lecter does. The... um he did it spontaneously during filming and everyone thought it was great jonathan dem became annoyed with it after a while but denied his irritation and fuck that's so funny to me like everyone being like fuck that's so cool that thing that hopkins is doing with his (laughs) mouth and jonathan dem the director just sitting in director's chair being like "Mm, yeah 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 it's cool that he made that um decision for his character can we try one without it anthony (laughs) can we try one where you don't do it Richard, do you have anything else you want to say about Science of the Lambs, or should we move out of the golden era of the Hannibal movies and into the 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 worst film yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I do want to. I think that the title is worth mentioning
0: because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's. Interesting. I've seen it a couple of times.
1: Oh, oh sorry, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's
1: just it's an interesting title, and i one I remember asking my sister before I'd seen the movie, and she had seen it what it meant and it's like yeah it's because there's no it's one of these films that dances around a title bomb
2: mm,
0: yeah yeah which I know yeah, you so love. the title yeah the title refers to um Clarice shares a story with Hannibal that when she was a kid, she heard lambs being slaughtered at the farmhouse that from of her like uncle and auntie who picked her up after her father died. Um and she she stole one of the lambs and tried to run away with it, but she didn't get very far. And and the idea is that she got into the FBI to save people because the screaming of the lambs you know, haunts awesome. her every nightmare. Um, and the idea is the idea being if she can save these women from being killed by buffalo bill she will finally have the silence of the lambs which and is never
1: said in the movie but it is like
0: never seen in the film but he, but it's like are you hoping those lambs will stop screaming clarice you know yeah perhaps they would be silent he says mm. uh yeah no it is cool and i really like it and i wish i wish the other films and other stories. Red Dragon's a cool title, but I mm. think Hannibal and Hannibal Rising should be- uh, cool Stupid
1: fucking titles, and yeah, yeah. we'll get to them now. Hannibal 2001. This mm. film, yeah, like the title of this film, which is, like you said, is based on a book that was written because of the success of Silence of the Lambs. This is, it's, this franchise is the Lost World Jurassic Park, where it's mm. the, you know, Ian Malcolm dies in Jurassic Park, the book, but he was so popular, they had to retcon that, and be like can you write a second book so we can adapt mm. it into a second movie and it's like yeah ditching all the fancy good titles and just being like the guy you liked in the movie
0: yeah he is he is front and center and i of it and i think From a novel perspective, I kind of get it. Because if you're Thomas Harris and you've written these two novels that just happen to share this same character, almost like the Medea films, Richard, where Mm. it's like they're just films that happen to share this character. I could see them doing like like Thomas Harris not even thinking of this as a sequel and it's just a spin-off, you know? I can see it in that way. It makes sense. But I do wish there was some more like... uh, idiosyncrasy between the titles i think you could do something with pigs pigs play a massive role in this and if you've done dragons and lands pigs can fly this pigs can fly <laughs> the squealing of the pigs <laughs> the the the, the wing whee- of the pigs <laughs> <laughs> yeah but on the title though with this film the hannibal franchise richard has this pretty interesting distinction of being a rare example of a series that is not most commonly referred to by the title of the original film people don't call these the the silence of the lambs movies they call them the hannibal movies we've seen this before with like the chronicles of riddick is what people call that franchise um we haven't covered this yet but the dark knight trilogy is what people call that franchise Uh, i don't know if we've seen a franchise before which takes its name from the third film though i mean i guess if it's kind of the second film but
1: Uh, you mentioned this in the discord that you and you were like You know, when have we ever seen a franchise that, like, this late in the game introduces the overarching title of it? And then someone was like, I can't remember who, sorry, but was like, the fourth Chucky film is the first one to have the word Chucky in the title. And it's like, that is a perfect answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, I did call that episode "The Child's Play" slash Chucky yeah. franchise. So,
1: but not for me.
0: It isn't. I would. I would like to a
1: layman who who only knows. I mean, I. I it's similar to, um, First Blood as well. Rambo, um, that's another one. Um, well, that, that's the second film. Though. Yeah, that it's like you don't. Yeah, it, it's you learn later on that it's like oh the first one is called something completely
0: different. Mm, yeah. 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 Yeah, what did you think of Hannibal two thousand one, directed by Ridley Scott? Yeah. <laughs> buried that lead. Uh, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Thirty
2: percent, thirty nine percent.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> we should do that every time. There's a dramatic dip in a franchise <laughs> quality. So.
1: We should just every every Rotten Tomatoes. We should just do sound effects. Yeah, everyone might have uh Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you what it was about first, then we can go to what I thought of it. So go. this one, yeah, like you said, it's a lot more focused on Hannibal the Cannibal, and <gasps> this time now Julianne. I only is... saw
0: Manhunter. I didn't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so obvious. His name's
1: Hannibal. <laughs> that would be too silly, wouldn't it? Yeah, but he <laughs> he's now escaped and. The, the whole, the, the whole overarching plot of this movie is Clarice is now trying to get to Hannibal before Hannibal's lone surviving victim, Mason Verger, who ate his own Verger. face, Verger, um, who ate his own face at Hannibal's request can mm. find him and kill him. And now Verger's not a, not a particularly good dude either. Mm. So he's a, that's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare dot com slash weight loss. Well, Wikipedia describes him as a wealthy child molester, which <laughs> is like it implies he made his money molesting children. Yeah, which yeah. Th-
0: <laughs> or or at least he molested so many children that his life is quite rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: What he makes what he lacks in money he makes up for
0: and yeah. molestation, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah so yeah it's kind of this like ongoing cat and mouse thing hmm. and you know people get ate. people get it yeah
0: it's a that's that's like one of the five things this movie is about yeah. i think um i think there are there are smatterings of good scenes in this film um i there's one or two i really like there's a a whole storyline in it about a um a, a italian fbi agent uh trying to turn his name's Patsy um he's trying to turn in he discovers who Hannibal is and tries to turn him into Verger uh to collect a three million dollar reward but uh Hannibal figures out what he's doing and he kills him and I thought that scene was great there's this bit where he's like when he reveals that he knows that he knows he's like I'm putting very serious thought into eating your wife and it's this kind of like that was the clip that played in the tv commercials when this was on tv when I was a kid you know um and I I really like that scene I think that's really cool. But yeah, this is this is five yeah. films at once. David um, <laughs> Mamet wrote this? David, isn't it crazy how much talent was involved in this film <laughs> for it to turn out so poorly? So, directed by Ridley Scott, fresh off the set of Gladiator, R- written by, as you say, uh, celebrated playwright David Mamet, scored by Hans Zimmer, who, you know, there's nothing wrong with the music in this film. <laughs> yeah. um, performances by Gary Oldman. Ray Liotta and, of course, Hopkins returns to play Hannibal. Uh, but Jodie Foster opted not to return and so Clarice is played by Julianne Moore. And I like Julianne Moore. But when your original film hinged on the success of two literally Oscar-winning performances playing off each other, I think that's the death knell for this, this film uh, yeah. is Julianne Moore taking over from Jodie Foster.
1: I know AJ, I do... You said something that threw me a little bit there. I I scoured the credits for this film and mm. I did not see a mention of Gary Oldman.
0: Mm. Are you are you
1: bloody pulling my face off of I'm my not face Richard, and feeding it And to wearing
0: me. it as a as all oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Richard if you'll give me a second to just scroll to where I've written about this on my Google doc I'll fill you in. Oh, sorry. Completely. I have
1: jumped the gun.
0: The, um, no, that's not it. That's not it, Richard. The, yes, so, Gary Oldman. Who, by the way, this is the eighth film we've seen of his for film franchise Fortnites, Um, after the four Harry Potter movies, he's in Kung uh, Panda Dawn 2. of the Planet of the Apes, Kung Fu Panda Two, and the RoboCop remake. <laughs> um, he initially, at least, was uncredited for his role in this, as there's a few reasons why some set make it sound like it was like a a billing issue. Some some he's like like Gary Oldman's like no no it was that's part of the joke was that he it's a Gary character Oldman a would face. like would yeah, it's a character without a face. And he said that um he they all thought it would be funny if the man of a thousand faces suddenly played a man with no face. Because Gary Oldman at the time had done Dracula, he'd done, you know, all these all these exciting A ones. thousand different faces. A thousand different faces. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Like I, I knew going into this movie, I've known for for years for over a decade that Mm. that oh my god did you know that that guy is actually gary oldman and i've Mm. seen people on on reddit or whatever be astonished to find out that it was him and you know what i he's pretty good in it and i mean i fucking hate looking at the character but (laughs) yeah there's like wide shots you can tell Mm. it's gary oldman
0: really yeah i reckon okay interesting think that'd be the wide shots and not the close-ups
1: well when there's less you can see less um because there's a he's you know wearing full prosthetics over his face and so but like when you're just seeing like the shape of his head and his hairline i'm like that's gary altman
0: yeah yeah I i thought this film was real bad richard i think it's one of those sequels as well which borderline does kind of does some like irreparable damage to the original yeah film like i really dislike how much it's emphasized that lector is specifically in love with clarice he kisses her at the end and i think it's just less interesting to be that explicit with it like it's always way more interesting to have it like bubbling beneath the surface and you would be like oh is this it like like silence of the lambs is about as intense as i want to see their relationship be mm. like i think that's where it's at its most captivating and i th- i don't know i just i i'm so i was just so bewildered by the decisions uh, this movie makes the. We'll yeah. get more into this, but it draws a lot of attention to a lot more attention to the gore and violence. Yeah. And I think it's gross. It ends up just being, it's just silly as well. And it makes Hannibal a silly character and it makes the franchise mm. feel cheesier. I think these things are scarier when you're not seeing them because you're like, this is such a grounded, normal movie. How can this guy have done these supposedly horrific things? Mm. But in this movie, you see all these horrific things and it adds this like it's like this movie is like a sugar rush like mm. oh we know we've spent 10 years being terrified of, of the, the 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 horror of the science of the lamps let's make another one and just go whole hog into it and show all these gross disgusting things that he'll do when he's uh eating people uh, and there's a scene a very famous scene mm. before oh, the one this that film. i've
1: known about you know yeah. I learned about yeah. this film exist this film's existence because I learned about the scene.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing it on like Sky Movies, just the scene, and I I remembered it. But rewatching it now, I was like. This is horrific. Yeah, like this is it, and, this is like ruining the film with how gross. It I is.
1: will say, like that, like Ridley Scott and everyone involved probably thought, you know, the the scene is supposed to be gross.
0: Yeah, but it's too gross. It's too
1: gross. <laughs> it's too gross. I hated it. I hated it. So,
0: do you want to do you want to describe what the it's right at the end of the film? Right at
1: the end of the film, it's Ray Liotta has been killed.
0: Like a, a dirty cop that's yeah. a dirty FBI agent who's been doing deals with Verger to try and capture Hannibal so that Verger can murder Hannibal. Yeah,
1: and so he has this... Yeah, he, he cuts the, the... Takes the, like, skull cap off of... Hannibal does, it off, off of Rayliota to, to leave his brain exposed, and then there's the sort of, like, sack that covers your brain, mm. and he slices that open, peels it off back, um, and then cuts out a little bit of... Uh, Ray Liotta's brain and he talks about how you know we can actually live without parts of our brain sort of thing and you can actually like in this and it's completely true you can perform like brain surgery mm. on someone who's fully conscious and because there's no actual um receptors on the pain receptors on the brain or anything and he cuts a piece off fries it up and feeds it to Ray Liotta him himself and makes Clarice watch this whole thing and from what i understand of the hannibal tv show it is like this guy is taking such care with preparing this food and it's like oh that looks mouth-watering but i know the horrible secret it's this really like conflicted thing this is just like okay he's got some nice herbs and some garlic and he but he just tucks it in the fucking <laughs> pan it's in the pan for like We see the shot of the pan for like two seconds, and it's like, if you are showing me this, I want the grossness to be juxtaposed with the beauty of the Mm. cooking. Otherwise, you just Mm. have this fucking gross scene.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Richard, these sentiments, um, they go deeper than you might just think. It's not just you who thought these scenes were gross, but they may well be the, like, the, the... point of no return for how bad this movie is because after thomas harris finished writing the hannibal novel which he was pressured into doing um he sent copies to jonathan dem jodie foster ted tally and sir anthony hopkins for approval the four four of three of those people did not return to to make Mm -hmm, this movie mm -hmm. right um the screenplay was rewritten no less than 15 times because of dissatisfaction mainly from jonathan dem and um jodie foster over the new character elements um, in a 2010 biography channel documentary inside story the science of the lambs Jonathan Dem said Tom Harris as unpredictable as ever took Clarice and Dr. Lecter's relationship in a direction that just didn't com- compute for me and Clarice is drugged up and she's eating brains with him which she doesn't actually do in the film and I just thought I can't do this um, De Laurentiis yeah. the dire- the producer um, said of decline decision to decline when when the Pope dies we create a new Pope good luck to Jonathan Dem goodbye he later said that Dem felt that he could not make a sequel as good as Science of the Lambs and after years of being actively involved in getting the sequel funded getting it made getting it you know finally on track um, and all these screenplay drafts Jodie Foster was like no I'm not gonna do this she <laughs> uh, issued a statement at the time um, saying I have been offered more money than ever in my career to make 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 this film, but who cares if it betrays Clarice, who has become like a person to me? You you look for the production notes all over the internet for this film. Everyone who turned it down is like it's too gross, it's It's, yuck. The 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 word lurid is thrown around quite a lot. Mm. Like it's ever basically everyone who didn't return was like it's too far. Like it's it's not as classy as Silence. That's the the thing,
1: and like I mean, I hate the title of this film. I hate the poster for this film. I hate everything this film stands for and Mm. I hate Mason Verger, Verger, the fucking Mitch McConnell looking motherfucker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Jodie Foster declined to reprise the role of Clarice Starling, Julianne Moore beat, you ready? You want to hear who nearly played... John Lithgow auditioned for Clarice. Mm-hmm. No, we've got uh, Gillian Anderson, Jennifer mm. Aniston, Christina Applegate, Drew Barrymore, Kate Beckinsale, Kate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, Jennifer Connolly, Kristen Davis, Cameron Diaz, Shannon Doherty, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Nicole mm. Eggert, Callista Flockhart, Bridget Fonda, Terry Hatcher, Helen Hunt, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Jason Lee, Lucy Liu, Heather Locklear, Alyssa Milano, Gwyneth Paltrow, Sarah Jessica Parker, Meg Ryan, Winona Ryder, Brooke Shields, Hilary Swank, and Denise Richards. Every woman working in Hollywood yeah. at the time who, who do was you basically think, going for this role. Who would you pick? Uh, Julianne Moore is obviously the best choice out of any of them. I
1: movies. think Helen Hunt's a good choice.
0: Actually, that's a good point. They do have a similar yeah. cadence in yeah. their voice. I could see Helen Hunt saying, she, He could smell my cunt, or yeah, whatever yeah. she says.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But i the other thing that's interesting about this film is that. You know, this was a, a ten years later sequel to a best picture winning film. This would be like if, if this year we saw the release of Solomon, a a too far gross movie about Solomon Solomon Northup from Twelve Years a Slave.
0: <laughs> Very good.
1: But yeah, it's like it's like a misses the point sequel
0: yeah absolutely though not all would would agree with that richard because you know fucking loved this film you know loved hannibal who (laughs) fucking ridley scott dude so this (laughs) ridley scott was so into it everything we have just said is bad about it ridley scott loved about they read the book they were like this uh uh Dino De Laurentiis said this is going to make an unbelievable film that was like their position like this is so edgy and chaotic he said he visited producer uh, sorry he visited Ridley Scott on the set of Gladiator to offer him the job to direct Hannibal Scott misunderstood which Hannibal he meant thinking De Laurentiis was speaking of the general and historical figure from Carthage who nearly brought down the Roman (laughs) Empire back in 200 BC so he replied basically Dino I'm doing a Roman epic right now i don't want to do elephants coming over the alps next old boy and dino then clarified no hannibal lecter and ridley immediately accepted (laughs) and they were like this is going to change the world um there's a quote from gary uh, from um anthony hopkins reading the script and he's just well after he read the book and he's like i kind of hate this but at the time at the same time it's kind of interesting so like everyone is just on completely different wavelengths and it shows in the film Mm. Uh, yeah it's it's so it's just yeah. chaotic this I reckon, was like for someone I reckon, who
1: was to be honest sleepy and quite grumpy i yeah i just it was such a miserable experience watching mm. this film
0: i reckon ridley scott was on coke or something mm. making this film it's got a coke binge yeah. like a coke bender kind of vibe to it yeah
1: yeah <laughs> such an iconic poster <laughs> that i fucking hate though
0: What don't you like about it?
1: I don't know. It just like, I don't know. just feel like it doesn't sell the film. right. So
0: what are we talking? We're talking about a very creepy looking uh, Anthony Hopkins with like a red eye sort of peeking out from a shadow.
1: Yeah. But it also kind of looks like a crescent moon. The more I look at it. Sounds like you quite like it. Well, he kind of looks like a one. The more I look at him, the the more I look at him, he looks like Mac tonight. The the short lived (laughs) McDonald's mascot.
0: Turned alt right hate symbol. Officially registered as a hate symbol. Yeah, wow. let's officially register Hannibal as a host. I'm
1: going to, um, are you seeing it how I'm seeing it? I'm not looking at it. Oh, okay, we well know. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to doodle on it and um, this is going to be funny. You can keep talking. Oh, yeah, I, ca- I,
0: ca- I can see it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's
1: it's it's Mac tonight. <laughs> it's Mac tonight. Um, anyway, yeah. So what else? What else is new?
0: <laughs> um, the part of Mason Verger, I think this is the most interesting piece of behind-the-scenes trivia for this film. Um, it was originally offered to you'll never guess who was originally offered the role of Mason Verger.
1: Mac tonight. I mean Mac um, tonight. <laughs> I, I meant to say John Lithgow, but I was just thinking about <laughs> Mac tonight. <laughs>
0: No, get this. It was offered, and you'll be like, wow, you'll either love this or hate this. It was offered to Christopher Reeve.
1: Okay, yeah
0: paralyzed from the waist down or neck down i think Mm. um wheelchair bound christopher reeve who's recent he'd done a movie called above suspicion in 1995 where he was a a wheelchair bound police officer so they were like hey christopher reeve do you and you know this is almost you could almost argue this is progressive right hey christopher reeve do do you want to play we've got a tetraplegic
1: character Yeah,
0: yeah 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 and um reeve was like let me read the novel like maybe let me read the novel see what i think um and after reading the novel um he ultimately declined upon realizing that verger was a quadriplegic facially disfigured child rapist is the official quote
1: (laughs) and also i am to understand uh mason's death is quite different in the novel and the TV yeah show.
0: um we i have a whole section later on that we'll we'll go into the differences between oh God, um, we've got
1: whole sections to go
0: we sections richard i've planned the episode like this oh, okay, um okay. and you know it's 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 not it's not fun to read stuff, but if we move on, before we move on to Red Dragon, Richard, I've got a rare example of great IMDB trivia wow. for you. A great piece of IMDB trivia I found. When Gary Oldman showed up on set as Mason Verger, all the cast outside of Anthony Hopkins and a majority of the crew had no idea who the actor in the elaborate makeup was. Some were convinced it was Jared Leto due to his resemblance to Verger.
1: <laughs> wow
0: they thought he looked like jared leto <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you wanted to say about hannibal you've just sent me a, a picture i'm gonna look at <laughs> where richard has out doodled out the uh mac tonight face <laughs> on the hannibal poster that's great we can post that on instagram i'm going um, i need to put week.
1: sunglasses on so it looks like mac
0: tonight <laughs> look, can we just hold off on red dragon i gotta put sunglasses on my Mac tonight drawing <laughs>
1: all right Uh, you move on i'll um
0: red dragon came out in 2002 guess who directed this one
1: <laughs> Brett Ratner
0: the Brett the Rat Ratner and I love this I love you look at the the Hannibal franchise thus far and it's like oh my god the the inimitable Michael Mann you've got the the visionary uh Jonathan dem you've got the inimitable Ridley Scott and then you've got Brett Ratner the rush hour guy who's like <laughs> by all accounts like a real sleaze bag um yeah Brett Ratner directed this Do you know what it has on Ron Tomatoes, Richard The percentage this has on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't want to overstate things, but it is the funniest number I've ever seen.
1: 69.
0: It is 69. It has 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I feel that accurately depicts how um, just not good enough this film is, I guess. Um, But do you want to tell us what Red Dragon, a film we've already discussed the original adaptation on, do you want to tell us what it's about?
1: Uh, It's about the same thing as Manhunter. Mm.
0: Yes. It has a slightly different ending. Instead of um in Manhunter, Will Graham takes down Dollarhide in his home, and in Red Dragon, uh, you're made to think he kills himself before it turns out he shot like a, a person he'd already killed, um, and and then blew his house up, and then Dollarhide goes to Will Graham's home where he tries to kidnap his kid and they have a big shootout and, and the good guys win and the bad guys lose. You've got starring as Will Graham this time, you've got Edward Norton starring Starring as Francis Dollarhide, you've got Ralph Fiennes. Ralph starring Fiennes. as Ralph Fiennes, starring as Jack Crawford, you've got Harvey Keitel. Who else is in this movie? Phil Anthony Seymour Hopkins, Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Freddie Lowndes. What did you think of this film?
1: Uh, I I liked this one more than Hannibal. Absolutely, yeah. which is
0: weird that I I like any Brett Ratner film more than an, a, a, Ridley, a Ridley, Scott Ridley Scott film. Yeah, film.
1: if this had come out, you know before Hannibal or there was no Hannibal you'd be like oh yeah cool mm. a inferior sequel to a to a good movie but instead mm. it's like oh yeah you got you got this fine movie but it's like you had one movie that just maybe so dang mad
0: yeah 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 exactly and like Manhunter I haven't read the, the novel but Manhunter proves like you could take the bones of the story and make a good film out of it I think the bones of the Hannibal novel are, are bad you know so mm. I I think the the problem with Red Dragon two thousand two is that for me it was just really hard watching another adaptation of Red Dragon after Manhunter mm. did it so well, especially in the parts where, as you said before, the dialogue is identical to the the, the movie we'd already watched. And um, the only thing this movie really offered me was it reiterated some slightly unclear plot machinations from Manhunter that I didn't catch on the first time. Um, otherwise I thought didn't really give me anything i didn't think the cast did very well with the material um even though i like all the actors involved uh and richard we talk about taglines now on this podcast and here's one of the taglines for red dragon i thought we could discuss it it says the first and most terrifying chapter in the Hannibal Lecter trilogy. Now, firstly, it calls a Hannibal Lecter trilogy, thus saying that Manhunter is not included. Mm. But secondly, like, does it not feel kind of anticlimactic to be like, yeah, the first chapter was the most terrifying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like I, I think, I think, um without acknowledging a pre- prequels or well, any sequel ideally is better than the one that came before it, mm. and a prequel being a type of sequel i think it's okay if a prequel is better than the original but it's like it's weird to to phrase it like that to yeah. be like if you go back to the beginning it was way better it was <laughs> yeah. way more it enticing.
1: is also it's like yeah then uh, what's his face would go on to write an even more first and even more terrifying chapter
0: yeah, <laughs> Red Dragon. Richard is our eighth Anthony Hopkins film for film franchise Fortnights. After the other two Hannibal movies, Thor one, two, and three, Mission Impossible two, and Transformers: The Last Night, mm. where he gets like he's in an explosion and just yeets off the screen. It's so fun. It's <laughs> so good. Um, it's it's also our seventh. Right, f- you dude. <laughs> you want to know, don't you, dude? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also our seventh Rafe Fiennes film after the last four Harry Potters plus Skyfall and Spectre and if you count No Time to Die uh, which we didn't officially cover as film franchise Fortnites that brings them up to eight and it's our fifth Harvey Keitel film after National Treasure 1 and 2 From Dust Till Dawn and Little Fockers <laughs> um, which is not the only sort of DNA it shares with the Meet the Parents trilogy because both the series that a lot of people don't know start with this obscure film that yeah, uh, is a bit
2: more
0: that's good you know um screenwriter ted tally who wrote the science of the lands but not hannibal had turned down many offers to write more serial killer stories he was like no i'm done um and then uh but when he was offered this he liked the idea of hopkins uh forming a trilogy and he said if it ends here it will end gracefully i would hate to see this become hannibal lecter x 111 so Hannibal liked the 13 which if you don't have a good continue the franchise yet richard i thought that could start as a thank you place. <laughs> until now
1: completely forgot that that was yeah, part of yeah, our podcast yeah.
0: Yeah, um, Edward Norton and Rafe Fiennes admired the science of the lambs, but had not enjoyed Hannibal. Uh, they thought it was too gross.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's what they said. They thought it was too gross. The cast were persu- persuaded to join when they were like, "No, no." The screenwriter for Science of the Lambs is coming back. Um, F- Fiennes felt it only worked worked only uh, on-, on suspense without overt violence. I like that. Uh, basically, the whole world looks back on Hannibal two thousand one as being this wacky out there sequel which no one was really on board with mm. and even the people who made the next one which came out a year later <laughs> yeah. were like yeah that was fucked up anthony hopkins returning to the role in this film makes him the only actor to have ever revisited an oscar winning performance twice <laughs> i thought that was pretty interesting plenty have reprised their roles for one sequel um you've got things like tommy lee jones in the fugitive sequel us marshals or joaquin phoenix is returning to joker and joker Folly Deux. there's a bunch of other examples but in my research I can't find anyone else who's done a third go round other than Anthony Hopkins you know and what does that say about acting what does that say about the performance <laughs> you know I just think that's interesting there's there's a you know this this like when will someone win a second Oscar for a performance they've already won an Oscar for mm. you know will that happen one day that'd be quite interesting
1: yeah have people been nominated twice for the same character I believe um Probably. Cape Blanchet for Queen Elizabeth.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. During filming, Michael Jackson made a surprise visit to the scene. Oh, yeah! He and director Brett Ratner had known each other since Ratner's music video career. <laughs> and imagine you're on this like f- this film set of this f- series that's like famous for these like terrifying villains and these like disfigured <laughs> monsters. And then Michael Jackson shows. <laughs> <laughs> this is 2002 as well, so the allegations were like primed and ready to go. I believe. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. So, um. Stallone was nominated for playing Rocky twice. Paul Newman no, yeah. for playing um, Fast Eddie and the Hustler and the Color of Money. He won the second time. Cable wow. and Chip for playing Elizabeth twice. Also, the Paul Newman ones were um, 25 years apart.
0: Wow, that's great. Well, how far uh, were the Rocky ones apart?
1: Uh, so Rocky holds the, the record for longest, which was 39 years. And, so that's with Creed, right? Yeah. Well, he didn't win either. Uh, Sorry, Al Pacino nominated twice for Michael Corleone, um, Mm -hmm. but he didn't win. And Peter O'Toole played King Henry II twice. Bing Crosby uh, won an Oscar for Going My Way, and then the sequel that came out, The Bells of St. Mary's that came out the next year, he was also nominated but didn't win. So I don't think anyone's won
0: twice. No, right. Yeah. It was interesting. I I was looking when before looking up these films, I was like, this is gonna be like a back to back production situation where like yeah, ten yeah. years later they're like, let's adapt the other. Ten novels. years let's ten years
1: adapt- later, you could if you do one, you have to yeah, do two.
0: Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be the case at all. Like apparently Hopkins didn't even know if he wanted to do Red Dragon. He was like, Oh, it's three too many to mm-hmm. do. So like, even though they came out a year later, they must have there must have been like a four-year production cycle for both films, maybe. I don't know. Mm. um, Which is surprising to me, because it feels like this whole thing was like, they're so desperate for Harris to write another novel for them to adapt. Why wouldn't you make a Red Dragon adaptation like a year after Silence of the Lambs?
1: Well, they'd already made but, one.
0: Yeah, but it's not in anyone's mind. Maybe you wait like 10 years since Manhunter. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like, and Because Hannibal's supposed to be younger in... Red Dragon than he is at Science of the Labs, but he's eleven years older, <laughs> and so like, and, and and like he 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 lost like twenty kgs or something to play yeah, like a younger version, and I think it, it works and it's it's not incredibly distracting. There's a little ponytail at the start yeah, uh, before that he was gets arrested. Distracting. <laughs> yeah, that was distracting, but like I don't know, it's just surprising that like they that they had to force Thomas Harris to write this like inferior new novel instead of just adapting. Good the one other had. book, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think it's interesting that the book was written first as well, because we we've talked off and on over the years about like what is the purpose of a prequel? How should a prequel work? What should a prequel offer an original film? And I think this is a pretty good idea for a prequel. So I'm surprised the the book was written first, because how Hannibal got arrested is a good prompt to be, you know, you want to know the origins of how he got arrested. You want to know, it, and don't I you, think. Dude? you want to know don't you dude um and uh, quid pro quo (laughs) um the fact that he's a minor player overall works as well in favor because whether or not hannibal survives the film is not where the stakes are at you know you're not Mm. like so like the the usual problem that comes with something being a prequel is not relevant in this prequel i think it's a good prequel like conceptually yeah yeah you know, it's not a. I don't think the film is very good. And I think that the final scene is, is an example of the worst prequel trope. It ends with, um, after the bad guy's being caught, um, the prison warden's talking to Hannibal, and he's like, Oh, by the way, there's this FBI agent. She's come in to talk to you. I'll tell her you're not interested.
1: Uh, yeah, um, her, she's got a. S- <laughs>
0: That felt too fast. Yeah, for
1: that some I, I felt it way as I said it.
0: <laughs> I'll bleep that one. <laughs> and and Hannibal says, "What's her name?" And that's like, ugh, we really got to set this up. We really got to set up science the lamps. I thought that sucked, but like, yeah, there's some all right stuff in this movie. I just think Manhunter does it better. And maybe if I hadn't seen Manhunter, I would have been more like moved by this. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of like? Yeah. Yep. No. What do you think of like the performances of like Ray Fiennes and Philip Seymour Hoffman and stuff?
1: Oh, I mean, love seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman in anything. I do think that it is this... Um, I, I do think Anthony Hopkins isn't as good. I think that the mystique totally. of seeing yes. him less in Silence of the Lambs adds to the character.
0: Yes, absolutely. And 100% agree. I think
1: that that's also... That's a big issue with Hannibal, the film. And mm. yeah, it's it's like a Sheldon syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> They focus on him too. Sheldon was the best character in the Big Bang Theory, and then they <laughs> focused
0: on him too dang much. And that show, Young Sheldon, is still going to the day. It's very popular. It's very successful. It's fin- is
1: it finished now, I think?
0: I don't no. know, but I think there's better examples of what you're talking about. No, Things I think like think um, the best one. Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, is a good example mm. of a character who is best used sparingly. Uh, I, think, uh, mm. I think Young Sheldon takes the case. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, it's still going.
0: What do you have anything else you want to say about Red Dragon or shall we shall we march forward to 2007
1: Do you know what the theme song to Young Sheldon is Yes Yeah Mighty, little, Mighty man little man by Steve Burns, by Steve
0: Burns. Yeah wow well, that's crazy I don't know The that. Blues Clues Steve
1: Yeah as like a song you and I both you've you referenced it to me one time and I was like is that a is that a Mighty little man reference and we were both impressed that the other person knew it
0: I don't even remember. That's well, how maybe I
1: it wasn't you then. Anywho.
0: I feel like if it was me, I would have then said, did you know that's the theme song to Young Sheldon?
1: This was before Young Sheldon debuted i'm pretty sure
0: (laughs) wait so i didn't know about the song until young sheldon
1: well look
0: a show i've never watched
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh who knows dude
0: hannibal rising came out in 2007 it was directed by a guy named peter webber what do you think this has on ron tomatoes
1: this feels like a
0: 15 it's 15% on ron yeah it is but how poetic that we have this trilogy of anthony hopkins films and either side of each film is this other hannibal film that no one's heard that are 80
1: percent apart
0: yeah <laughs> um what is hannibal rising about
1: so it's like he's like it starts at the tail end of um world war Two. he's a little boy and then he goes out ha- hunting nazis and It's a whole, like, revenge thing, and it's like, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. he has this little sister named Misha, who he cares very deeply for, and they they sort of lose their parents in, in the war, and some Nazis find them and end up eating his little sister. And so years later, he's got, like, the taste for blood. Um, And he goes and hunts the Nazis that ate his sister. It's revealed in the end that he also ate his sister, though. He just blocked it out of his mind. (laughs) And that's supposedly why he's killing people is because he doesn't want them to know. He has, like, a love affair with his auntie or something in it. Um, And it's basically just the origin story of Hannibal Lecter. This, you know, this, was again, based on a novel, though, Again, a novel that was written very reluctantly, as I said before, written as the same time at the same time as the screenplay. What did you think of this film? I uh,
1: didn't like it. No, no, I, I just thought it was stupid and lame. And so Hannibal leaked. I don't, I don't want to see Hannibal rise. I don't want to see his rise be from. Oh, he's a fucking. Um, guy
0: well boo-hoo you ate your little sister (laughs) no it's
1: like i I don't want to see the rise of hannibal as this vengeful guy hunting down nazis who tears people open the interesting part of hannibal's origin is that he's a psychiatrist and that in the first film Mm. he uh sorry in science of the limbs he says a few words to the guy who made the comment to jodie foster he speaks to him and that guy fucking bites his own tongue out and it's like Mm. the fact that this and that's uh, his superpower that also mm. like he he got mason Ver, verger to eat his own face hmm. just by talking to him and it's like the fact that there was a psychiatrist having patients for potentially decades who had this ability to manipulate people like that and on the side was a cannibal is so much more interesting than this film than how
0: he first got a taste for cannibalism yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I thought it was okay. <laughs> I gave this movie three stars. I think Hannibal and Red Dragon are films that are shackled with being sequels to silence of the lambs they seem to constantly want to remind you of silence of the lambs Mm -hmm. whereas this one seems relatively liberated from that it's just doing its own thing it's a hopkins free competent little revenge horror at worst i thought it was boring maybe unoriginal but i think it's better than the Hyperactive nonsense of Hannibal mm. and the the dead on arrival Red Dragon, <laughs> and I I also think that Gaspard Thomas Yuliel, who plays young Hannibal, I thought he was pretty good. It's it's not like a bad performance. It he he looks the part. He's quite creepy. It never feels like it's it's going too far. It never feels like it's going into cheesy territory. Mm. He makes it his own while also it's also believable that this guy will one day become the Anthony. Hopkins version.
1: Mm. Do you see Oil um, uh passed away a year ago, last year?
0: Yes. Last year, isn't it, what, a skiing, a skiing accident? Yeah. Mm.
1: Gwyneth Paltrow's whereabouts unknown at the time <laughs> of the incident.
0: Uh, speaking of death, Richard, I also thought the death scenes in this film uh, we're pretty good. There's there's one where he so he, he's capturing these Nazis that ate his sister, and he ties one up to a tree and wraps a rope around him, ties the other into a horse, mm. and is like getting him to tell him information while he's slowly pulling. And like the the horse runs and it does this brief close up of his this guy's eyes bulging. I thought it looked quite good. Um, mm-hmm. And he gets decapitated. There's another one where he traps a guy in like the embalming fluid at a morgue. I, I just, they were fun. They were fun deaths. And like, I reckon this is so critically despised because after so many years, people were just so sick of the Hannibal lightning trying to strike twice. And so when you do an origin story, everyone is immediately like, oh, like, here we go. This origin story bullshit. It never, It's never great. People don't like a new actor taking over an iconic character. It's tried. I get it. And it's not like I'm saying this was particularly great but like i'd put i'd put a couple thousand movies between this and silence of the (laughs) lands and manhunter but i'd I'd put hannibal and red dragon even further below hannibal rising i
1: i probably preferred red dragon to this fair enough
0: i think that's probably the
1: i liked leatherface more than this i think back to leatherface a lot the the one that Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The Texas Chainsaw or Massacre or one.
0: The version of this that's that's for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, uh,
1: that, yeah. Like because there you have like this this handsome, cool young dude and this big hulking guy who looks like Leatherface, and you go about the whole movie, and then at the end, the big hulking guy dies, and the the main handsome guy gets disfigured, and it's like, oh, he's actually the one destined to be Leatherface this whole time. I think it's such an. Yeah I think every as much as I predicted that twist I think every rising prequel should have that twist
0: Well I don't know about that but I do think that's that's such an obvious thing of how to fundamentally change your story with a prequel something that's quite hard to do mm. and I'm surprised not more sequels of uh, prequels have done it I remember back when the prequel star wars prequel trilogy were coming out was coming out there were theories that actually ewan mcgregor was playing the man who had become darth vader and that Mm. hayden christensen was you know and they for some reason would switch identities in the last film and i think that that could be effective but Yeah. yeah I, I I'm not necessarily interested in in defending this movie. I just was watching it, and the third act I was pretty enthralled by it. Like I was sitting there looking at the screen, taking it all in. I wasn't distracted, and I I just thought it was it was effective. And the Rotten Tomatoes critical cons- consensus reads: um, "Hannibal Rising reduces the horror icon to a collection of dime store psychological traits." And I can understand that, but I think it's far from the worst. Origins of a psycho film. We say I would prefer this to Leatherface. I'd prefer this to, I don't know, Sounds give me another ones. one. <laughs> um, one more note: uh, the film opened at number two in the United States with a thirteen point four million dollar um, opening in three thousand theaters. Finished behind Norbit. Oh damn!
1: Three hundred,
0: which made thirty three point seven million. Uh, released the same re- uh, same week. I bet Norbit's worse than Hannibal. I
1: Reyes. I saw Norbit. In the cinema.
0: Is it better than Hannibal Rising? Yes. Okay. So according to IMDb the actors that screen tested for the role of young Hannibal included Hayden Christensen, Macaulay Culkin, Hugh Dancy, Rupert Friend, Dominic Cooper, Tom Sturridge and Tom Payne. I feel like half of those probably aren't true though. Mm. That doesn't sound real, Hugh especially Dancy, when the guy that
1: who would obviously who goes on to play Will Graham in the that, TV series. So that
0: one is true. That one is right. true. But I don't think Hayden Christensen or Macaulay Culkin <laughs> were in talks. I think when you end up with with relatively unheard of guests sparred yuliel like i don't think you would go with him if macaulay culkin's on the table yeah right you know? well maybe you would. maybe maybe he was right for the we
1: could have got culkin that's all they would have said
0: is is there anything else you wanted to talk about with um this film with hannibal rising
1: uh no nah, i didn't like it
0: didn't like it well would you like to know the difference between the books and films no damn that's devastating because a lot of work was put on to uh to putting these these differences together Damn, i reached sucks, out to man. all right um. <laughs> i reached out to rachel on our discord shout out to rachel because she has for years she has not listened to the podcast this will be the first episode she's listening to um and for years she's been going on and on about how hannibal will be the first episode of the podcast she listens to so i reached out to her and i said in the next seven hours or so would you be able to tell me any notable deviations from the hannibal Novels, and she said, "Yep, I can do that." And Rachel, thank you so much, but you did so much more than what I like. I was like in major notab- notable deviations. Her first note is, "Um, Will Graham's son has got a different name in the book and in the two adaptations." Right. I was looking for probably more substantial <laughs> things than that, but thank you so much for doing this. And maybe we should post these differences somewhere because I feel like um um there's there's a lot you know people can it's probably use these as, as discussion points. Yeah. To just
1: throw yeah. you to know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um so I'll go I've picked out a few um interesting uh differences and we can we can talk about them. So the one 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 that I thought was really interesting is that um one of the reasons that Dollarhide in uh Red Dragon and Manhunter, he snaps and actually like goes to kill his new girlfriend is because he incorrectly sees her and their work colleague together and assumes that that she's, you know, two timing him. Um But in the book, apparently that character is... Uh, her her ex-boyfriend so there is actually precedent there for for him to believe it Um, in the uh, red dragon book will and hannibal only have one interaction when will goes to see him for the first time they don't talk on the phone like in manhunter or continue to have visits like in uh, the red dragon movie and hannibal only appears in two scenes that's a meeting that they have and the scene where he calls and tricks the lady into giving him will's um, home address rachel says that the book explores way more of dollahide's backstory um and that half the book follows will and half the book follows Dollarhide. so that's pretty interesting that you know like the book essentially has two protagonists um hmm. one being the killer and i think the, the, the manhunter does it better than red dragon Where like halfway through the film it stops and just starts following this other guy all of a sudden and i, I really liked that i thought that was a, a really effective way of doing it in silence of the lambs uh will is mentioned a few times in the novel chiltern me- mentions jack is upset that hannibal cut up his protege after he, he defeated <laughs> yeah, dollahide
1: That'll get to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Hannibal asked Clarice how Will looks now, and she doesn't know. Um, famously, fava beans and a nice Chianti in the book is fava beans and a big Amora- um, Amarone. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, this was changed because Amarone was a wine not available in the United States at the time of, of filming.
1: I've seen um people saying that it's like... Oh fava beans is like there's something about the fact that he it, it, apparently it's a joke hmm. that it's like oh yeah so the, he's been u- he's on monoamine oxidase inhibitors which have been used to treat him and the three things you can't eat while taking them are liver beans and wine.
0: Oh right that's that's a, another layer to the joke oh, yeah. that I didn't know about at all. Um, At the end of the Science of the Lamb novels, Clarice is sleeping uh, with the confirmation, yes, the lambs have stopped screaming. It sounds like Hannibal the novel has the most, like, drastic changes from um, the book, and a bit of a content warning here for sort of, I guess... I guess you'd say sexual assault would be the the um, umbrella term for a lot of this stuff. Um, Mason Verger is explicitly more pedophilic. Uh, there's a lot more. He's, he runs like a Christian camp, and he drinks children's tears. Um, and Rachel says basically, if you think Mason is a cartoony villain in the movie, he's ten times more so in the book. Um, Margo Verger, Mason's sister, is a complete is completely omitted from the movie. Mason was explicitly abusive to her in every conceivable way from when there were children onwards she carries a lot of trauma from it she is a lesbian in the book um well, i mean that, so she's a lesbian i guess in the movie where she doesn't appear as well um, yeah. and she went to therapy with lector before he was caught and he encouraged her to kill mason and then mason starts seeing lector for therapy and so the reason why hannibal doesn't like and gets mason to cut his own face off is because he doesn't like how he treated his sister uh, and in the books, Mason is not killed by Cordell pushing him into the um, pit of man-eating pigs, mm. uh, which I thought was so well set up in the movie. It's weird that it wasn't this in the books. In the books, he is sodomized with an eel by uh, Mason by Margot, and then so that she can get his semen, so that she can create. Impregnate her girlfriend with the verger ear, and thus get the fortune, and then um, kills him by shoving the ear into his mouth. Um, and Lector tells her to frame him for the murder, which she does. Yeah. Um, I, and I, that
1: I, 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 I. Rachel's the expert. What I read is mm. that he's sodomised with a cattle prod, and then suffocates on an eel on a, on his on his own pet more you're correct
0: eel. i i read the wrong thing he's not sodomized with the eel what a disturbing insight into how i picture these stories um yeah so in the movie his Cordell, his um his butler pushes him into the thing of pigs and um uh, Hannibal's like, "Why don't you? Why don't you push him in, Cordell?" He's like, "He's like, hey, Cordell, why don't you push him in? You can always say it was me." And I quite liked. I quite liked <laughs> that scene. I thought it was great. More, more so, the probably the biggest change from the. Uh, movie and and um, Ridley Scott himself was like I don't think I'm going to adapt it this way is uh, Hannibal saves Clarice and drugs her and they essentially work through her trauma and anger together Krendler who is um, Ray Liotta's character gets captured but instead of Hannibal and Krendler being the only two to consume him it's Hannibal and Clarice eating his brain in the book after dinner she basically says hey so I can't be a replacement for your sister sorry you have to give up your mother's breast for her but here you don't have to give this one up and then she offers him her breast and he accepts it uh, and the Rachel posts just from Wikipedia here that three years later Barney and his girlfriend go to Buenos Aires to see Johannes Vermeer, Johannes Vermeer painting at the opera Barney spots Lecter and Starling fearing for his life he flees with his girlfriend Lecter and Starling are seen living together in an exquisite bow arts mansion where they employ servants and engage in activities such as learning new languages and dancing together and building their own respective memory palaces More. Over the reader is told that sex is a splendid structure they add to every day and that psychoactive drugs have had no part in their lives for a long time and that Lecter is satisfied with the fact that misha his sister who's not actually mentioned in the movie but is in hannibal rising cannot return so bafflingly mind-blowingly <laughs> Hannibal and Clarice get together in the books and that's how the books can Yeah, do don't,
1: yeah don't love that
0: no I, I fucking hate that there's a bunch of stuff um, Rachel also listed from uh, Hannibal Rising that's different but I didn't I don't think anyone's going to care about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we'll, we'll end it there but thank you so much Rachel um, and uh, feel free in the discussion thread for this episode on the discord to talk about all of this stuff sorry I couldn't get through all of it It's it's very extensive and very well researched so mm. well done Um, Rachel all right Richard well now it's time to move on to continue the franchise this is a segment where we pitch continuations of the franchise um and while we're out of Thomas Harris novels the Hannibal franchise is still being continued on in many various ways uh most famously would be the NBC TV series Hannibal created by Brian Fuller we mentioned before it stars Mads Mikkelsen as um Hannibal Lecter and Hugh Dancy as uh Will Graham do you fancy Hugh Dancy (sighs)
1: uh That is some very clever wordplay, Joe. Hannibal
0: the TV show takes place before Red Dragon and examines the working relationship between Will Graham and Hannibal. Uh, it is, it's is—it's a case of the week episode where every episode is, is Will Graham consulting Hannibal on some like horrific murder, and they're always like, real creative. Murder. There's like a totem pole of dead bodies. There's mm. people who have been turned into violins with their vocal cords being the strings and things like this. Um, have you, you said you'd seen a bit of it?
1: Yeah, I I didn't I'd I'd forgotten about it until just recently. But yeah, I've seen maybe half of the first season. I thought I think yeah, I've but seen the not first since two it seasons. First came out and then You've yeah, seen yeah, three seasons.
0: First two seasons. Oh. I didn't watch the last season, but I remember thinking season two was like mind-blowingly good. Like it was excellent. Yeah, right. Season one was okay, but season two was great. And then I think season three is Red Dragon, or it borrows elements. It was yeah, from it's Red sort Dragon. of setting it up.
1: I was just reading reading that like his plan originally was to do three seasons of setup of original material a season of mm. red dragon one of silence one of hannibal and then a season of original material to wrap it up
0: yeah right and it got cancelled after three seasons unfortunately um i was it was really good but the the so Hugh, uh, will graham has in both manhunter and red dragon it's kind of alluded to that he has like this special power where he'll go to a crime scene and he can just mm. understand exactly what went down and this is like borderline a superpower in hannibal the tv yeah series. i remember um and community it, making fun of it's it. real cheesy and it's it's the one thing i really hated about the show is is, is like these these but these gold flashes will go across the screen and all of a sudden hugh Dancy is the murderer in the scene and Uh he'll he'll be like i i walk up to her and i i slice i slit her throat and then every time his catchphrase was this is my design
2: and oh, it was just yeah,
0: yeah. The, I, I hated it it was such a cheesy line and cheesy performance in a show that's otherwise uh, was quite well acted um, Mads Mickelson as Hannibal was incredible mm. uh, there is also uh, CBS's Clarice uh, TV show on a different network to Hannibal uh, desperately made from the scraps of what CBS could legally adapt um, it is set between Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal and I think it's supposed to be directly like I think it's supposed to exist in the Hopkins verse Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's like the Mads Mickelson one where it's like its own continuity. Um, yeah. so yeah, Hannibal went from 2013 to 2015 and uh got cancelled after three seasons. Clarice aired its first season in 2021 and is yet to be greenlit for a second, and it is sounding more unlikely by the fucking day that it's gonna come back. <laughs> I can't imagine what the show is about. There needs to be a name for this genre of show that is like spinoff of famous IP without the part that makes it an interesting IP in it yeah. you know like like Gotham and, and Batman the the butler Alfred yeah, the, origins the origins of Batman, the origins of Alfred's yeah.
1: butler which was cancelled we'll butler. never know the origins yeah. of which
0: was also like a V for Vendetta prequel by the end as well really so like yeah. that yeah 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 so that, that these shows where it's like they obviously don't have the rights to the, like the cornerstone of the franchise so they mm. What the hell is a Clarice show going to be about? Anyway. Um, Sir Anthony Hopkins himself has also dabbled in the Continue the Franchise game, Richard, having reportedly written a script, I think maybe was just an outline for a film called Hannibal Ending, uh, which will have included Clarice ultimately killing Hannibal. Um, Hopkins has stated that the screenplay was more of an exercise for himself than like a genuine... Attempts to get a film made. Yeah, right. He's also said that Red Dragon will, will be his final performance as the character. So there's also a cancelled video game that I dug up called Hannibal the Game, which according to IGN, Hannibal Lecter is added again, and this time his appetite is bigger than ever. Take on the role of Special Agent Clarice Starling in this thrilling first-person shooter, which has you hunting down one of the world's most brutal serial killers. Uh, on I, on IGN, it's listed as status cancelled. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, AJ. Yeah. Pennyworth also being a prequel to V Vendetta is the funniest fucking thing. <laughs> that is insane.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm the fact it connects V for Vendetta to Batman as well. Yeah,
1: god damn. Well, that, that is fucking insane. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs>
0: it's okay. I usually don't write down the stuff and continue the franchise and continue the franchise, but I thought this was a particularly interesting version. There is a a pre-scary movie spoof of of Silence of the Lambs, oh. uh, called The Silence of the Hams, uh, which parodies. Times of the Lambs as well as Psycho and a few other movies it follows FBI agent Joe D. Foster uh, (laughs) played by Billy Zane trying to catch a serial killer with the help of Dr. Animal (laughs) Dr. Animal Cannibal Pizza (laughs) (laughs) Played by Dom DeLuise. Oh, wow. Uh, it has, ready for this, 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. It has a very striking poster. It's a parody of the famous Silence of the Lambs poster, but with like a fat dude eating a donut or something. It, I don't know. It's <laughs> It caught my eye, and I was like, what the hell is the Silence of the Habs? <laughs>
2: nice.
0: It's hard to come up with a continue the franchise because my general inclination is you should just do isolated cases in which an investigator is forced to consult hannibal but that's essentially what the tv show is well the, the, you know? yeah, that's
1: what I was going to say cuz my my continue the franchise was to yeah the the version of hannibal rising that i think is more interesting that is
0: yeah right although actually, actually
1: that's not really the TV show. I, I don't know I want to see him no no as, it is though. Will Graham right.
0: gets counselling in the TV show from him it's like oh, right, a regular yeah. part of each episode is them having psychiatry sessions
1: okay well then yeah I want to watch the TV show well I don't I'm not going to watch the TV show but um, that's I mean my could see the franchises I want to see him as a working psychiatrist who fucking eats people and can manipulate them to do whatever he wants
0: hmm what about um Hannibal X and it's in space
1: yeah or Hannibal XII I <laughs> and yeah, I suppose mm. Fuck My it. continue franchise I want to do a crossover with the the father and Hannibal what if what if the father is actually secretly a sequel to Hannibal?
0: Right and it's a um and he forgets reuniting his, so it's it's retroactively making it that someone has won an Oscar for the same character.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Hey Anthony Hopkins has returned as that character in the Sun. Yeah. So that's another one for the list. Yeah, wow. Well. So Anthony Hopkins has revisited an Oscar-winning character three times, not two times. Well,
1: it's it's funny, like well, two, yeah, because if you say characters. if you say Anthony Hopkins has revisited an Oscar-winning character twice, either interpretation of that is correct.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my continuing the franchise is that uh, the still working Thomas Harris he published a novel in 2019 uh, needs to just take his time and craft a proper sequel Hannibal and Hannibal Rising were both novels that he was pressured by Hollywood into making but with the franchise being long dormant and no one really like caring about it now is the time to make a new Hannibal story that doesn't like destroy him and and his relationship with the series and um Set it in the same universe, and then we can inevitably adapt that. So that's yeah. why there's a the franchise.
1: He's only made so he's, he's written four Hannibal Lecter books and two other books. Hmm. Um, which, yeah, as you mentioned, the most recent one came out in um, in twenty nineteen. It's his first book in forty four years to not feature Hannibal Lecter. Wow! Um, but yeah, there is a quote here from Stephen King. So talking about, uh, if writing is sometimes tedious for authors, to Harris, it is like writhing on the floor in agonies of frustration, because for Harris, (laughs) the very act of writing is a kind of torment.
0: Mm. Sounds like the dude is quite the tortured artist, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah well Richard now all we've got left to do is to rank that franchise so over on letterbox.com slash we've got a list of every franchise we've ever watched and we rank them I'm gonna make it silence of the lambs as the entry point here I'm gonna say manhunter is useful for canon, context yeah. but it's a separate canon so I'll add the silence of the lambs as the first film in the franchise representing the franchise where do we think that this one should go is I it,
1: think it's 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 below the Nymphomaniac constant.
0: Do you reckon? You, I guess, if we're not including Manhunter, it would be.
1: Yeah, got one That's great film and then just three bad ones.
0: Three ones that get that of like of varying varying quality. Hmm. Okay, so just beneath the Nymphomaniac constant is the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. I think those are probably better than. No, actually, they're probably not. Maybe this is our first below the nymphomaniac constant (laughs) franchise what do you reckon i reckon die another day offers much worse things than the hannibal they're bad in different ways
1: though yes die another day i could enjoy ironically hannibal's just gross
0: but beneath ps brosnan is pirates of the caribbean which i also think is worse than the hannibal series largely
1: interesting yeah somewhere around there yeah let's make it straight after nymphomaniac why not
0: one above nymphomaniac is anchorman yeah, it's not as good as <laughs> All righty, well, let's go there then. The Hannibal series is the 83rd best franchise we have ever watched. And Richard, this brings us to a very exciting segment, which we just don't get to do often. I, th- I believe it's my turn to make ah, you guess as well. Rats. This is our segment we call Franchise Roulette, where um, we've got a big list of franchises, and we're going to pick a, a number at random, and then that will uh, dictate... The um, next franchise we watch in the next fortnight. <laughs> so Richard, we've got, um, uh, the list goes down to 106. What have we got?
1: We have got
2: six.
0: Six. Six. How often do we get a single digit franchise? Oh boy. This is this is a good time to do this one. <laughs> All right. We are talking about a four film franchise. John Wick. We're talking about, no. We're talking about one with a fifth film, I believe, about to start filming, um, but it's been a while since the fourth film. Indiana so like Jones. Big... And you're no, just way we're... off about the timeline. <laughs> 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 um, no, it's it's coming up. This is, <laughs> it this comes
1: is... out in a couple of months. They probably better start filming that fifth one.
0: <laughs> There's some things I could say, but it would give it away and I want you to guess. Okay, properly. fourth
1: film. It's been a while since the fourth one. Uh are we talking, when you say a while, are we saying more than 10 years ago?
0: No, I don't think more than 10 years. Okay.
1: Um, are, are, are the four like a tight four or was the fourth one also a little bit late?
0: It was a very tight four, yep. Yep. Um, you you often rave about one of these films, and I think it's always think it's so arbitrary whenever you bring up the one that you <laughs> I know rave what
1: about. You're talking about yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the Hunger Games franchise.
0: We are covering the Hunger Games franchise next fortnight, which this is feels...
1: weirdly blown up all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, yeah, everyone's talking about Hunger Games at the moment. This feels well overdue for a film franchise mm. Fortnite's episode on the Hunger Games. Yeah,
1: and I believe it's not just starting f- filming; it um, comes out in December. Or November, I think. Oh, really? The fifth one,
0: yeah. Oh, I'm I'm totally wrong then. I thought it was a year away at least. Uh, yeah. Our second Philip Seymour Hoffman franchise in a row as well.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh, I'm so. Oh, uh, I'm am excited to do this one. Um, because fuck, Catching Fire is good. <laughs> it's so good. I know you think that that's well, arbitrary.
0: <laughs> AJ, I have a feeling you you think that's arbitrary. <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, tune in next week, everybody, for um, well, f- next for- franchise. Sorry, next fortnight for the Hunger Games episode. We'll be back next week with some bullshit that we'll do to to pad the time out. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that. And if you like this, please consider following us on Instagram and Twitter at Cult Popcher. You can also join the Discord where you can discuss about what we've been discussing. Um, there's we do a Cult Elders episode every month now, which is where we sort of reflect on the previous three episodes of the podcast. We get you the lister's opinions if you're a particular tier on our patreon um and um my 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 uh call to action for the cult elders this week send in your best um ted levine buffalo bill impressions yeah no give us your That's...
1: give us your same with the scooby-doo give us your three impressions buffalo yeah, bill yeah. lector um starling
0: Jody foster <laughs> um, and also speaking of Patreon if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com slash Cole and if you donate as little as um, five dollars a month you get to be involved in the post credit scene which is coming up just after this music ends Richard I'd love to stay and chat but I have to go I'm having an old pizza for dinner <laughs> that's I will true. say There's actually half a pizza nice. downstairs. it
1: didn't it didn't come up but that's one you know one of the all-time great final lines in a film that I'm having an old friend for dinner.
0: Oh, you mean them film not. The podcast. <laughs>
1: not your pizza gag.
0: Welcome along to the post-credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash cold you get to give us something to talk about in this the post-credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it?
1: This one's from Dylan Hutton who says, What is one appliance you don't have but really want? I have all the ones I've bought in airport. dick fryer. flattening machine. <laughs> i've bought an an air fryer i bought an instant pot the one and i will say though i mean like i i genuinely don't really have an maybe a Roomba. yeah yeah but the the, and also i should get a
0: fucking Roomba.
1: partly so that i can um put the cats on it and film them you know just going around on it but one thing i will say that i i find a fascinating piece of like society and culture is that we just decided we don't need bus dust anymore. Nothing more. I've got ad- one. N- well,
0: it breaks all the time. So yeah. I never use it.
1: But like dust, you used to have a dust buster in every home. You know, you, you have a little slot where you hang hanging up on the wall. We never came up with something more advanced than the dust buster. Mm. We just decided like, if you saw a dust buster in someone's house, you'd be like, Oh, that's super out of date. I mean, you yeah. can get Ooh. sort of modern looking ones and, you know, like nah. miniature and, and like it would be more like a miniature vacuum cleaner, but it's like the dust buster hanging up in the kitchen and the little like stand that they have for them. And like, I'm picturing a very specific dust buster. If someone had one of those in their house, you would think that was old fashioned, but there's not a new piece of technology that makes it old mm. fashioned.
0: The problem is, is that the the old d- Dustbusters um were just better, and because the new ones break all the time, I find. And I just think what we really need is a robuster dustbuster. That's actually true you as don't. well as being hilarious. <laughs> um, I I am currently in the process of trying to figure out how to buy a new TV, and it is not easy. I am like watching reviews i am looking online and i'm still not reaching any clear-cut answers i need to do the unthinkable richard and go outside and into a store and just look at the tvs and decide mm. what one i want to get so yeah my answer to this question is a tv yeah <laughs> it's the appliance i need to I'm get because at, my one currently is too small
1: i'm looking at old dustbusters and man i i can remember how they smelled like this is so nostalgic for me
0: all right. Well, we'll leave you guys there. Richard's uh, Jesus Christ, he's taking his pants off. Oh, he's I don't have pants on. I don't pain. have pants on. He's jacking off, guys. He's jacking off to the old dustbusters. We'll see you there, everybody. Thank you for listening. And
1: <laughs> we'll see you there.
0: We'll see you next time. We'll see you there. <laughs> everybody, come in. Richard's jacking <laughs> off. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.